Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. That goes Hurts again. He steps up. He's going deep. He wants Devontae Smith, who has it down to the two. The reaper. He went high into the air and came down at the two. Boy, he fell hard. He's okay, Merrill. Don't worry about it. He's good, and that was that was one of the great games of the year. Devontae Smith, huge catch against Washington, the game where he had 154 yards in the first half. Good morning, everybody. It is Super Bowl Eve in Philadelphia. That was one of the highlights of what's been a great season, can become a historic season tomorrow as the Eagles face Kansas City in the Super Bowl. We will be playing highlights throughout the morning to highlight different aspects and units of this team to set up your matchups for the morning. I'm Glenn Mack now. First of all, delighted today. Let's introduce from Arizona site of the Super Bowl, Mike Sealski. Ray, let's find out if this works. Mike, you there? I am here, gentlemen. How are you guys? Beautiful. Wow. Sound, Ray sounds like he's right next to us. Certainly does. And the other boys. Well, I'm going to have to just do the show from here every week, Glenn, I think. <laughs> I picture you in like a bathing suit and flip-flops. Uh, You're not far off. There you go. And, of course, here in Philadelphia, the uh, the Tom Brady of radio retirements, Ray Dinger, with us this morning. Ray, <laughs> uh, I will have to take a picture. Kyle, do me a favor. Just come in and take a picture of, of all of this because Ray's got five yellow legal pads, six magazines, newspaper clippings, <laughs> uh, press, uh, oh, everything. All everything, right. Here everything. I come. Media guys, he's got the whole thing. <laughs> all right, uh, let's uh, let's do the scene center, Mike, because you've been out there all week. Uh, I know mm-hmm. it's it's hard to cover the team as incisively as you during the regular season. Access is limited, but set the scene. Give us your brilliant observations from the Grand Canyon State. Well, let's look at this from two perspectives: one, the team, and two, the fans. So, I was saying to somebody the other day, the team seems very. Uh, quietly confident to me uh if you guys remember back five years ago before the the patriots super bowl in minneapolis there was an edge to that eagles team it was the whole underdogs thing it was going against belichick and brady you had alshon jeffrey guaranteeing that the eagles were going to win the game uh there was a bit more of a chip on the players shoulders i felt like at that time than there is now definitely get the sense that they just feel very good about their chances, that they know they're a good team. Uh, they got here on merit, and uh, they're willing to go out there Sunday and kind of let the chips fall where they may. In terms of the town of Phoenix itself, 
I, and I know you guys have been talking about this a little bit. I know Glenn and I have spoken about this on the show. Uh, it's, it's different. Um, it took a little while for people to get out here, uh, to see more and more Eagles fans. You started to see them Thursday and then yesterday throughout the city. I think that's a function, number one, of how expensive it was to come out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people waited till the last minute to, to come on out here for the game. I also think that because it's Phoenix and the weather is beautiful and the waste management open, the golf tournament is going on, people are more spread out. Uh, you know, Ray, I tell this story all the time, but back in Minneapolis, Ray and I did, uh, back when it was still on the air, Philly Sports Talk on Friday afternoon from the Mall of America. And there were 200 people there in the rotunda of the mall watching us do that show. And most of them were raised groupies, to be quite honest. Um, it was this, so you're the saying the town th- was filled with 70-year-old women. It's the damnedest thing I have <laughs> ever seen, Glenn. Um, but people were more concentrated. There were fewer places to go, honestly, because it was so damn cold. <laughs> you couldn't go anywhere except the mall, and you didn't want to walk around outside. So... Uh, a couple of factors there have made it a little bit different, but definitely the excitement is building. It will be interesting to see tomorrow when the game starts, if you get the the, the sound of the Philly crowd as you did in Minneapolis, as I remember back in Jacksonville, uh, as Eagle fans are prone to do, traveling to games. This was, as you mentioned, Mike, an amazingly expensive ticket. I mean, I looked at some stuff I wrote about it earlier this week. It's like $10,000 between the hotel and the airfare and the ticket and everything else. So I don't know. I hope that we're going to get those people. Ray Didinger, let me turn to you and just say it's. I, I, I am delighted today to have both of you guys here. It's this is, this is a pleasure for me and I presume also for the listeners. Ray, you've covered 39 of these. I'm glad you're here. Mm-hmm. Today's the day before. Mm-hmm. What happens today? What are they? What are they thinking? What are the players? What are the coaches? What's what happens the day before the Super Bowl? <laughs> well, there are many. There are many varied stories about the day before the big game. <laughs> Some um, not so good. <laughs> um, I'm the one. The one that I, that I remember best was Doug Williams on the day before his historic game when he was going to be the first black quarterback to start a game in the Super Bowl. Um, Went in and had root canal surgery the day before the game. What? <laughs> Doug, wow. I guess Doug, necessary. Doug that was, William, not optional. Yeah, it was, yeah. It, was, it was an emergency thing. I mean, it was that bad that they said, we, we got to do this right now. So he had root canal the day before he went out to play the biggest game of his life. And, of course, then he goes out and he has the MVP performance. So I would think that's an extreme case. I wouldn't recommend that across the board. Um, but, you know, Mike was referencing the, uh, the last Eagles Super Bowl in Minneapolis. And I was very um, – I was very curious to see, uh, to kind of gauge the emotional readiness of the Eagles team when I got to Minnesota, because I had been through it with the Eagles in New Orleans, the Vermeil team for Super Bowl 15, uh, and I saw how uptight and stressed out that team was by the end of the week, uh, and it concerned me going into that game. I still to this day think the Eagles were a better team than the Raiders, but they certainly didn't show it on game day. Uh, and I really think a lot of it had to do with just their mental state going into the game. They were just really, they were really wound tight. And I kind of wanted to see where the Eagles were in Minneapolis before they went out to play the Patriots. And when I got out there, and, and Mike described it very well, the everybody was sort of con, everybody was sort of congregated in the Mall of America. And the Eagles Hotel, the Eagles had a, were staying in a hotel that was connected to the Mall of America. 
So you, there were Eagles players and their families all over the place. I mean, everywhere you turned, you're bumping into Brandon Graham or, or uh, you know, Jason Kelsey and their families and uh, and everybody. And the players just seemed so loose and they seemed so happy and they were really, really enjoying the moment. And when I saw Seth Joyner out there, I mentioned it to him and Seth said, hey, man, these guys can't wait to play this game. Uh, and it just, it just sort of reaffirmed my feeling, you know, I think the Eagles are going to pull this off. You know, I just, I, like on Friday after seeing what I saw and talking to Seth, I became more confident that the Eagles were going to win the game and they did. Now Mike's out there. So he's been able to see these guys and been to the press conferences and stuff. But from what I can see on television, uh, the interviews I've seen on television, I mean, Nick Sirianni seems to be handling it really well, uh, seems to be having some fun with it. The players seem loose. It seems like they're enjoying it. And from, I mean, I'm, I'm judging it from a distance. Mike's closer to it, but it seems to me like they're in a pretty good place. I think that they, they look to me like a team that's ready to play. Mike? Yeah, I agree with that completely, Ray. Uh, there's, there's no sense amongst the players or Sirianni or any of the assistant coaches, and that's been one of the benefits of this week, is while access is limited, you do get to interact and interview all the assistant coaches on the team, which you don't generally get to do during the season. It's very rare for that to happen. So, you know, there have been, I've done sit downs with Shane Steichen and Jeff Stoutland and a little bit with Jonathan Gannon. And to a man, they are, none of them are betraying any kind of nervousness or concern, any of the tightness that Ray mentioned leading up to the 80 81 Super Bowl. Uh, it feels very much like the entire season has felt if you've been around the team. So I think that. That bodes pretty well. Do you sense a difference from five years ago this week to now this week? Like I said earlier, I think there was an edginess Mm -hmm. uh, to the players back then because they embraced that underdog role so much. I do think they felt like uh, going into a game against Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, they really felt like nobody thought they would win. Uh, and, of course, they're playing with their backup quarterback and a second-year head coach. Uh, and, and to me, that game stands out in so many ways, not just because the Eagles won, but how little the national media, if you want to say that, and even the Patriots themselves knew about the Eagles. Ray, I'm sure you remember this, too. I remember that one moment in that game as the Eagles were lining up to do the Philly special on fourth and goal, and uh, Deion Lewis, the Patriots running back, can't believe that they're going for yeah. it on fourth and goal. And... If you had spent any time watching the Eagles that season, you shouldn't have been surprised that they were going for it in that situation. That was their M.O. all year. And it spoke, I think, to how little people really understood what that team was doing and how it was doing it. I'm not sure you have that issue this year. I think everybody acknowledges how good they are. Okay, that leads us into what we're going to do all day, which is the matchups. And the first one is the matchup of the coaches, which is a critical one, and I want to talk about that. Uh, Nick versus Andy. Uh, let me just give you guys some numbers, and I'm, most people have probably seen these by now. Both teams, 16-3 and three this year. Both teams scored 546 points. Right. It's pretty impressive. Both teams, six all-pros, including a Kelsey brother and their quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, both teams the number one seed in their conference. So, let's talk about, let's compare and contrast the two quarterbacks. Uh, Shield Kapadia said it really well this week in a piece that he did for the Athletics, saying, if I'm handicapping the game, I want Andy for the two weeks leading up. I want Nick for the three hours during the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ray? You give me your assessment of the two coaches and how you grade that tomorrow. 
Well, I thought that uh, we've seen Andy go through this before. We've seen Andy in big games before, uh, and we've seen him be outcoached in big games before. But the experience is a factor, the, that he's been through this before is a factor. And also, don't everybody's focusing on the head coaches. Don't forget about the coordinators. You know, the coordinators are going to have a lot to say about this game. Uh, and Sirianni is new to this, as are his two coordinators. Um, the Chiefs, on the other hand, have Eric Bieniemy as the offensive coordinator who's been through this with Andy before. Uh, and on the defensive side, you got Steve Spagnuolo, who's been through it multiple times. Uh, he was with Andy in the Super Bowls la- uh, last couple years with the Chiefs. Before that, he was the defensive coordinator for Tom Coughlin's Giants team that took down the unbeaten Patriots, also the highest-scoring team in the league. And I thought, I thought Steve Spagnuolo coached a masterful game in that game. He was one step ahead of Tom Brady the whole day, and that ain't easy to do. Uh, and then Spags, of course, was on Andy's staff when they went to the Super Bowl the first time. So the defensive coordinator is going to have a lot to say about how this game goes on the Chiefs' side has had a lot of experience in this game. So that weighs into this, too. But the thing that I thought was interesting about what Nick did yesterday um, was that he actually addressed the idea of halftime with his team. Mm -hmm. The fact that uh, there's a longer halftime. And he actually interrupted their practice yesterday and took them into the locker room. And he didn't keep them in there for 30 minutes. But he did for about 10 minutes and just said, look, this is not going to be the normal halftime. And I thought, you know, that's smart. Because I have seen so many coaches in this situation, in the Super Bowl, and I understand the message they're trying to send, but they're sending the wrong message, and they do it all the time. What they try to tell the players is, guys, this is just another game. It's just another game. It's just a football game. You've been playing in them since high school. You've been playing them in college and the NFL. Don't make this bigger than it is. It's just another game. To which I say, that's you're wrong. <laughs> this, is, this is not just another game. It's different in a million different ways. You know, your pregame warm-up is going to be different. The whole week leading up to it is going to be different. Halftime is going to be different. And I think that, and I think the coaches that have performed well in these games have been honest with their players the whole week and tried to prepare them for the fact that it's going to be different. Rather than tell them it's going to be the same old thing, and then they get out there on Sunday and all of a sudden – pregame warm-up, you're trying to go back and field a punt, and you're bumping into the cameraman from Telemundo, yeah. you know, and at halftime now all of a sudden you're, you're sitting in there for what feels like an hour, and you walk out to play the second half, and you can't see because there's all the smoke on the field from the fireworks. You know, it's not like any other game. So I think you have to prepare your guys for that, too, and I think it seems to me that Nick is aware of that and has already done it, and I think that's a good thing. By the way, the, the whole story you're telling takes me back to Super Bowl thirty nine. When the Eagles Bingo. came out of this for the second half, just so, so flat. So, so flat. Mike, coaching, who's got the advantage? You know, I, I really agree with what Shield said, and I just want to run down three reasons why I think he's he put his finger right on the, the issue here. So, after at the end of Andy's first season as the Chiefs head coach, they made the playoffs. They played the Colts in Indianapolis. They had a 20-point 28-point lead in that game and ended up losing 45-44. Mm. In 2018, they had a 21-3 lead on the Tennessee Titans in the playoffs and ended up losing 22-21. Last year, the AFC Championship game, they had a 21-3 lead on the Cincinnati Bengals, yeah. ended up losing 27-24 in overtime. To me, I agree with what Shield said in that I feel like Sirianni 
will adjust in game more adeptly than Andy will. Uh, Andy will win the first couple of weeks. He's he'll, he's the preparation king. But if things start to go off script, so to speak, I feel like Sirianni will adjust. Having said that, I, I offered those three examples because I'm really curious to see what happens if the Chiefs take an early lead. It's if it's let's say fourteen to three or twenty one to ten or something like that. Uh, will the Eagles stay the course? You know, there have been situations in this season where they've been down early. They were down fourteen nothing to the Jacksonville Jaguars and came back and won. And you do have that history with Andy uh, that his teams can get off to big leads and he struggles to protect them. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's a fascinating matchup. It's crazy to think that you have that the Eagles are going against probably a top 10 all-time coach in league history, uh, and their head coach is in his second full season, Yep. and you feel like they might have the advantage, but I think in some ways they might. Do you know how many times this year the Eagles had to call a timeout for or take a delay penalty because the play was not in? Jeez. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess zero. Zero. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I can't remember one. How many times did we have that during the Andy years? It seemed like at least once a game. Right. Now, I don't watch the Chiefs enough to know if that is as big an issue now as it was, and maybe some of that was on Donovan McNabb. Maybe, although it happened with other quarterbacks here. Uh, one of the smartest things Nick did, and I know he was criticized for it at the time, I thought it was great, is when he gave over the play calling so that he could focus on the big picture. Right. And I think that works. Mm -hmm. And sometimes during games, we all know the TV shot of Andy behind the enormous diner menu uh, full of stuff with his mustache deeply in it as stuff is going on. And I, I, I think I agree with what Shield said, what you said. Andy's probably done more, knows more, schemed more over the last two weeks than Nick is capable of at this time in his career. But tomorrow, in a tense moment, in a close game, I'll go with Nick. Mm -hmm. So let's see. Yeah. Let's sneak in a call here. Let's go to Jared in West Virginia. Morning, Jared. What do you think? Hey, good morning, guys. Hey. Can you hear me? Yeah, we got you. Go ahead. Okay, good. Uh, well, first of all, let me say I, uh, living in West Virginia, I didn't get to have WIP growing up. I was a subscriber to the Eagles Digest, and I loved uh, listening to or reading Ray's columns that he would put in there. So I want to say uh, hi to Ray. Nice to, uh, nice to talk to you. Thank you, thank, you for, thank you for reading and following over the years. I found the WIP on the radio.com app back in 17, right before the start of the season. So I got to ride through that whole season, which was pretty awesome. Sure. Yes, it was. Um, what I was going to say about the game is I'm really concerned. I know that Andy's going to try to get the ball out of Mahomes' hands as quick as possible. I'm concerned with um, him passing to the running backs, McKinnon and Pacheco uh, mm -hmm. especially. I think we're going to have to uh, – get to him really quick, uh, and our um, our cornerbacks can handle their assignments, but our safeties and our linebackers are going to be tested. Well, I will just tell you this, and thanks for the call, Jared. Enjoy. Before we started the show, Ray was talking to Tom Kelly, who did the previous show as he was walking out, and Ray said, you know, the concern I have, and we'll get into this as we do the other matchups. I don't want to jump the gun too much, but you said the concern I have is that Andy – uh, doesn't have the wide receivers, and what he's going to do is he's going to go underneath and throw the running backs, which yep. is what the caller just said, which is seems a smart strategy, but also one that Nick will anticipate. 
You hope so, and you hope that Jonathan Gannon's anticipating it because the wide receivers on, on the Chiefs team are not really going to beat you. They'll make a, they'll make a, a catch or two, a play or two, but they're not going to beat you. Um, I'm sure the Eagles' preparation for the last two weeks has been largely about trying to take away um, Travis Kelsey, and Andy, of course, knows that. So he expects the Eagles to come out with you know some kind of bracket coverage, shifting coverage underneath, over the top. I mean, they're going to be all over Kelsey. So I don't think he's going to be trying to force the ball into the wide receivers. I think what he's going to try and do is he's going to come out and he's just going to dink and dunk it. I mean, he's going to screen it. He's going to throw little flat passes. He's going to throw checkdowns. And Pacheco and particularly McKinnon are very, very good at that. And that's one area where I don't think the Eagles' defense has been great this year. I mean, if you look back at the, at the amount of yards after catch the Eagles have given up to running backs, especially those kinds of players, it's a concern when you've got a guy who's really as good and elusive as McKinnon. Um, the premium is going to be get the ball out of Mahomes' hands fast, and you can do that and get it to McKinnon and still get a big play. All right, we'll deep dive into that and all other aspects of it as the show goes on. I am just delighted to have Mike Sielski out in Arizona, and at some point today we got to talk about the piece uh, Mike's done some great work this week. The piece you wrote about the Eagles almost moving for people who don't remember, which was 38 years ago, right? 38 plus, 38 yeah, plus. December of 84. Yeah, and, and Ray's uh, part of that story is great because Ray was sleeping. Yeah, <laughs> like like most of my career. I almost slept I, through I, it. <laughs> I did talk to Ray early in the week, and, uh, and Ray actually was quoted in a terrific piece by Sam Farmer of the L.A. Times on the very same topic. So yeah. looking forward to discussing we'll that. We'll get into that as we go on. And as we said earlier, Hall of Famer Joe Klecko will join us. But we're going to break it all down, every position matchup, every aspect of the game and the show with our predictions. It's the day before the Super Bowl. Mike Sealski in Arizona. Ray Didinger back in studio. I'm Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at 
at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. And the gun is Hertz. Sanders behind him. This time, Hertz gives it off, and he runs with the football and keeps it and takes it across the five and rolls down to the two. And is he in? Yes! He is. Touchdown, Jalen Hurts. That's magic. A great fake to Sanders, and then he kept it and ran around the right end and took it 26 yards for a touchdown. Little sleight of hand, Mr. Reese, oh, I think he had you fooled. Oh, he had, me, <laughs> he had the Vikings fooled. One of my favorite plays of the year, uh, if you uh, don't remember, because it was fairly early, a 27-yard touchdown run by Jalen Hurts, where, yeah, I mean, he faked at everybody, and he powers his way those last five yards, cutting through people. So here it comes. Other than the coaching, clearly the most interesting matchup of the game is the two quarterbacks. Now, they're not going to be on the field at the same time, so saying it's a matchup is always kind of weird, but you know what we're talking about. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Mike Sealski, recognized as the best quarterback in the NFL. Some people already put him in the top five. He has won a Super Bowl. He's all that. Throws the ball from every direction. He is a, uh, a, a running threat. We'll get to his ankle, tender ankle in a minute. Jalen Hurts had a phenomenal year. He's young. It's the first time. I set it up, Mike. You take it where you want to take it. Well, look, this is the reason to think the Chiefs are going to win the game. I haven't heard anybody all week, whether you're talking about people who are here in the Phoenix area, whether you're talking about local media, whether you're talking about national media, no one has suggested that man for man, position for position, the Chiefs are a better team than the Eagles. Everybody acknowledges that the Eagles are the deeper, overall more talented team. The question is, can Patrick Mahomes carry the Chiefs can he be that good in this game and you know I think it's interesting I think Mahomes is an incredible player um you know in terms of his intelligence in terms of as you said Glenn the ways that he can throw the football the sidearms the the creativity all of that you see he's working on a back on a a behind the back pass he threatens to use it may may very well be remember that uh what is it was it Ernie DiGregorio threw that like yeah wow you know good full court Back, you know, behind the back pass, it's considered the greatest pass in basketball I history. That anyway, was to Marvin Barnes. Yeah, I think you're right. Anyway, look at Mahomes in his two Super Bowls. Yes, he was the MVP the first time around when the Chiefs beat the 49ers. Uh, he did not have a good game that night through a couple of interceptions. And then against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I mean, he was running for his life that entire night. He was. He was great in that he survived because the Bucks just dominated uh, the Chiefs' offensive line that night. So, look, I, I get it. I think Mahomes is an incredible player. He might be just in terms of the talent at the position, the best that I've ever seen. 
but he's going to be chased all night by Hassan Reddick and Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox and that entire Eagles defensive line. Uh, and Hertz is not going to encounter that kind of pressure from the Chiefs. I just don't think so. Um, so do the Chiefs have the advantage there? Yes, of course. They would have the advantage against anybody in the NFL because they have Patrick Mahomes. But the gap isn't so great. Right. Let me approach it from a uh, an experience and psyche and psychological point of view, okay? Because okay. you, you've seen a lot of young quarterbacks in their first Super Bowl. Sometimes some of them have done great, sometimes not so much. When... It's tomorrow, 6.25, and uh, that, I forget the name of the country and western guy who's doing the national anthem, whatever, is doing it. And Jalen Hurts is standing there for two minutes. Mm-hmm. That's, I heard a, the Jason Travis Kelsey podcast, they, the, both of them did a thing of being at the Super Bowl and when you realize they're, you're there. And it was a great little thing they talked about, which was during the week you really focused your practicing and you're doing this and you're listening to your coach, you're talking to your teammates and so on. And then when you get there and you're standing there at the national anthem and it's two minutes and nothing else is going on and you look around and you say, oh, bleep, I'm in the Super Bowl. It's mm-hmm. a great little dialogue they had. Right. What's Jalen Hurts going to be thinking? His job. I don't think he's going to be caught up in all that other stuff. I think he is just that focused. But you never know. I mean, I remember uh, Troy Aikman when I was at NFL Films doing an interview with Troy Aikman about his first Super Bowl with the Cowboys uh, and him talking about, and was played at the Rose Bowl where he played his college football at UCLA. So he was in a familiar surroundings. Uh, and he said, you know, that morning of the game, I was fine. The bus ride, I was fine. Getting taped, dressed, I was fine. Went through warm-ups, I was fine. And he said, and I went back to the locker room and I thought, wow, this isn't so bad, you know. Uh, and he said, and then... They came in and they said, okay, guys, it's time. And we went up the tunnel. And he said, and I was standing in the tunnel waiting to be introduced. Uh, And he said, when they called my name and I started jogging out on the field, he said, I almost blacked out. And he said, and I almost thought, oh, my God, I'm going to drop over right here in a faint. He said, it hit me like that, like a bolt. I didn't feel it coming, but it was there. Now, Troy Aikman is a pretty cool customer. I mean, he's not a guy that you think of as somebody that's going to get get real emotional or really caught up in things. Uh, He always kind of seemed above it all. But that moment almost brought him to his knees. You just don't know. If you were to ask me to guess how's Jalen Hurts going to handle it, I just think he's he's wired in such a way that he knows what's coming and he's he's ready for it. But until the moment comes, you just don't know. So he's never – I'm sorry, go ahead, Mike. No, I was just going to say, to Ray's point, uh, Aikman then ended up going 22 for 30 for 273 yards and four touchdowns. So if Jalen Hurts comes close to blacking out, maybe it's a a good sign for the Eagles. Very good pull, Mike. Nice, impressive work. Um, We've never seen the guy phased. I mean, he is. Jalen Hurts is that guy... I don't want to say robotic because that sounds like a negative, but or program because that sounds like a negative. But he has lived his life waiting for this moment. He mm-hmm. talked this week about how he was raised and his dad. We've seen him handle pressure situations well. We've seen him, including college, handle negative, handle setbacks well. Um, he's got he's got the, the 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 smarts. He's got the mindset. He's got the physical attributes. Everything that says that won't happen. But you've also seen it happen, right? Give me a quarterback who didn't do so well the first time there. Not that I want people to, <laughs> to get this too much in mind. <laughs> um, I, I don't I don't want to scare people too much. Well, um, 
I'm I'll, one I know very well, Ron Jaworski. Uh, yeah, that's what I, the one I was thinking of too. Ronnie, right? and you know, Ronnie's as, as tough a competitor as it comes. But um, I mean, he will tell you today that 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 day got to him, uh, and the very he's told me many times the very first play, the very first play, very first pass play the Eagles had. He said it's a simple route. He said we ran it all year. He said it was one of our best. He said Spagnola runs a drag across the middle. Wilbert swings out of the backfield into the flat. He said I looked at that play a hundred times. He said we completed it every time we did it in a regular season. He said if the if the defense drops and have got the middle covered and Spagnola's covered, I lay it off to Wilbert in the flat. And he said this time I drop back and everything's there. But Spagnola's covered, and I'm just thinking. He said I was so amped up and I had so much adrenaline that I just it 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 overrode my better judgment, and I tried to stick the ball into Spagnola, even though he's covered. Got intercepted. Raiders intercepted. They score a touchdown like right away, and it's seven nothing, and it's all downhill from there. And Ron, and Ron, you know, Ronnie said, "I know better. I yeah. kn- I know exactly. I know the mistake <laughs> I made at all season. I knew better, and I didn't make that mistake. But in the Super Bowl, <laughs> with the excitement and my own level of wanting to make the big play." I made the big mistake. Yeah. That happens. And he never got to get back, which is a shame. And never got back. Right, so that, that was that. Um, we know Mahomes is great and is not going to be phased by the moment. He's been there before. It will be a huge, huge uh, factor in this game to see how Jalen Hurts responds on the big stage. Let's get a call in here. Rob and Glenn Olden. Rob, you got a lot of confidence about tomorrow, eh? Oh, Glenn, i got a ton of confidence. Right, how you doing? What's up, Mike? Hey, Rob. Hey, listen, um, two points on the make. Andy Reid is one step away from being Marv Levy. Sorry, Glenn. But if you take away that collapse from San Fran when they won the Super Bowl and when the Eagles beat him tomorrow, he has the possibility of being 0-4. Now, it didn't happen. He's going to be 1-3. But he could have been 0-4 in Super Bowls, if you think about it. In the big game, I'll take Sirianni. I'll take Doug Peterson over him just because I've seen it. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that was a curious thing. If San Fran didn't collapse, he could have been 0-4. Well, but, he could have been 0-3 heading into tomorrow, but I hear your point. Yeah, but my point is he's, he's great up until that game. He hasn't been the best in that game. So Right, we need yeah. that Andy tomorrow. And thanks. Yeah. We need the Andy tomorrow who is going to be flustered in the big moment, who is going to do things that kind of defy logic, who is going to yeah. screw up the time. Well, let's you, you not forget. Glenn, let's not forget. Ahead, they, they, they they did come back in that game. They were losing that game, and they came back in the fourth quarter yeah. and won it. I mean, that game looked like it was lost. So you got to give them credit for that. Yeah, and the one thing I would add, guys, I know you were speaking earlier. Uh, I think with Tom Kelly about kind of the way that Eagles fans don't feel as apprehensive and nervous about this game compared to five years ago, and this confidence is kind of unsettling. I think one of the factors in that. Is the is that Andy already has won a Super Bowl? If the Eagles were facing Andy Reid in this game, and Andy were still looking for his first championship, I think a lot of Eagles fans would be looking at this game and saying, "I can't believe we had this guy for 14 years and he never won the big game, and now we get there and he's going to win the big game for the first time against us." Uh, I think that's taken some of the edge off of the way people are looking at this game and how worked up they're getting. <laughs> Most people, Mike, not sure if you got to talk to or listen to Angelo this week because he is still carrying that thing like a sword. <laughs> 
Angelo's going to carry it. He's going to carry that stunned. one all the way into retirement, man. It's, it's, <laughs> that is a grudge that he has held and is not going to let go. No, right. no, nobody holds a grudge like Angelo. Oh, he's great. We got. Ah! <laughs> I think that was the sound he made when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. <laughs> Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Let me see. What are we doing coming up next? Coming up next, talk a little bit about the running game of the two teams. I think the Eagles got an edge. We'll see what these guys think. I'm Glenn Mack now with Mike Sealski in Arizona, Ray Dinger here in studio. Leading up to tomorrow's Super Bowl. Hey, if this cold winter we've endured hasn't yet convinced you to replace your drafty, inefficient windows and doors. Check out the great people at Guide a Door and Window because they can help. They can give you, they're going to give you one more month to do so at the best prices of the year. Now, maybe you haven't taken advantage of Guide's big winter sale. Well, this is your last chance to do so. You receive 40% off every window and door. That's 40% off each expertly installed, energy-efficient replacement window, which also includes free high-performance low-E glass. And you get 40% off any high-quality door, including... Insulated entry doors, sliding patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. Oh, I got a beauty at Guida, let me tell you. Uh, and you can buy now and pay later with Guida's interest-free financing or low monthly payment plans. Offer will expire at the end of February, so don't let this final chance for big savings pass you by. If your home needs new windows and doors, hey, call the experts at Guida today. Get it done before this. Well, you probably can't, but you can schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. Eagles. Trying to catch them right here. Hurts gives it off to Sanders to the five. In for the touchdown goes Miles Sanders, 10 yards out. Offensive line controlling the line of scrimmage, Merrill. And when they start to take over the line of scrimmage, you gotta let the big dogs eat. It's a great run off the right side by Miles Sanders. I was early in the year against Jacksonville. Sanders had a terrific game that day. Uh, and so let's talk about the running games of the two teams, the backs of the two teams. I will just tell you, and Ray, I'll come to you first on this one. Mm-hmm. I think the key to – you know what? I'm coming to you first because <laughs> I think you'll agree with me. Not that Mike <laughs> won't, but, but I know where you stand on these things. I agreed with you for 21 <laughs> years. Why wouldn't I today? <laughs> I think the key to the game – is to keep Mahomes on the sideline as much as you can, which means you use the running game, you bleed the clock. The running game includes Jalen Hurts, by the way, a lot. You try to take the ball first if the opportunity comes up, which they won't. I hope they lose the toss. Yeah, well, you, you know that if they, if they win the toss, they're deferring. Right, and, and amazing how well it's worked in the last few weeks when they have lost the toss. Now, those were home games. This is not a home game, so there's a little bit of a difference. Uh, I'm going for it on – I mean, I'm not going for it on fourth and seven at my 15-yard line, but I'm going for fourth. If I'm anywhere past my own 45 and it's fourth and manageable, I'm going for it, four-down territory. I want to keep the ball, and that involves Miles Sanders, Kenny Gainwell uh, being very effective – and I think they can be. Yes, I agree. I, I, I agree with everything you just said there. I think that when you're going against the highest scoring offense in football and you're going against the best quarterback in football and you're going against a team 
that was the best in the league at converting third down, almost 50%, all of that stuff. Yeah, you, want it, you, you don't want that offense on the field if you can help it. Uh, and the Eagles are built in such a way that they can play ball control. They can win time of possession, and in fact, they should. And I think that's probably the way they're going to attack this. I remember, I mean, this isn't an exact comparison, but it's fairly close in the sense that when the Giants upset the Patriots in that Super Bowl that everybody remembers, Super Bowl 42, when the Patriots came in 18-0 and they were the highest scoring team in the league and they had Tom Brady and they had Randy Moss and they were scoring a million points a game, um, the Giants, the first time they got the ball, held the ball for nine minutes and 59 seconds. They held the ball. Their first possession was 10 minutes. Yeah. And they just bled it, and they just bled yes, it, and yes, they just bled it, yes. and they just bled it. Bleed. And, let it bleed. And, Rolling Stones, Mike, and before that was, your time. And that was I why, know, let it bleed. <laughs> and that was why, that was. if you're watching that, you're saying, okay, this is their plan. If they can do it, this is what they're going to do. They're going to keep Brady and Moss and all those guys off the field. They're going to keep the score down. Uh, and they're just going to try and execute their offense. It winds up being a 17-14 game that they're in position to win on one final drive. I think that the Eagles can do the same thing here. You, the one thing you don't want is you don't want the Chiefs with the ball in their hands. And you can do it. You have, you're built to be that kind of team. With your line, your running game, this quarterback, you are built to win a time of possession game. And I think that's one of the reasons why you know, I really like the Eagles in this game. I think it, I think it sets up very well for them. Mike Silski? I'm going to surprise you guys. I disagree slightly in this regard. I don't think the Eagles should run to bleed the clock. I think the Eagles should run to score. They scored 32 rushing touchdowns this season, the most in the league by a pretty wide margin. They're second in the league in offense to the Chiefs. It's not as if the Eagles were a ball control team that had to play it safe during the course of the season. You know, that Giants team, right, to your point, That was a perfect strategy for that game because the Giants weren't necessarily an explosive offense, certainly not in the same league as that Patriots team with Brady and Randy Moss and all those receivers and the running game and all of that. Um, The Eagles can run to score. I mean, this is a team that scored 31 points in the NFC Championship game against the consensus best defense in the NFL, and all four of their touchdowns were rushing touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Jalen Hurts hasn't put up eye-popping numbers in these two postseason games, and the Eagles have still scored 69 points. So I agree with you guys in the sense that you you get the best of both worlds if you're able to run the ball in this game, because not only will you keep Mahomes off the field, which of course is a benefit, you're going to score, and that's more important. I don't, I don't want to see the Eagles try to win a 17-14 game. I want to see them try to win the score that I think they're going to win by, and we'll get to that later, but, you know, 35 points or something like that because that's who they are yeah i don't think but the one thing you don't want us you don't want to get into a shootout with this team you know you can't you can't get into a shootout kind of game with mahomes in this offense you just can't i mean you have uh you have to control the ball and you obviously have to score on your possessions i wasn't suggesting that you're just going to hold the ball and punt. i know but um i think that if you if you try to get too cute with this uh, and you try, and you, and the game turns into a back and forth shootout kind of game. Then it becomes a much more winnable game for the Chiefs because they're, you know, they're that's what they're built to do, and that's that's what it's going to be. So, you know, I think the Eagles physically uh, are a much stronger, more more dominant team, and they're and they're going to win you, and they're going to win it in the trenches. Uh, I just don't think you want to make it a fast break kind of game because I think that's more the Chiefs style. 
So the Eagles have averaged, what is it, 160-ish yards a, a game rushing this year. Mm-hmm. 25.09 divided by 17. Uh, 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 carry the eight. Uh, uh, 100, <laughs> about 150. Mm-hmm. Over, under 150 rushing yards. This game, Mike Sielski. Over. Over. Ray Dinger. Over. Ooh, we're all in agreement. All right, let's go to the other side. Chiefs, running backs. Um, they don't. Well, there, Ray, I'll, I'll go to you because you kind of alluded to this earlier. Caller did, and I think you agreed. The Chiefs running backs are more of a threat in this game catching the ball than running the ball. True or false? True. True. I, I've, you know, Pacheco is a, is a, is a good, tough runner. Uh, average about five yards carry this year. I mean, he's good at it, but they're not going Great to. Great boxing doctor, too, by the way. Yes, he was. Outstanding. <laughs> but um, they're not going to. They're not going to win it that way because Andy's not going to coach it that way. You know, Andy wants to throw the ball. And if you got Patrick Mahomes, I fully understand that. Uh, but where they're going to hurt you, where, where Pacheco and, moreover, McKinnon are going to hurt you is on the little screen passes. They're very, very good at that. I mean, one of the interesting stats, I mean, I knew McKinnon had a, had a really impactful year with the Chiefs. I knew that. But until I looked at the numbers, I didn't realize he has nine touchdown receptions. That's a lot for a back. Mm-hmm. That is a lot for a back. But that's how Andy utilizes him in this offense. It's a little bit like Westbrook. I mean, he's got that same kind of thing where he'll just sort of swing out of the backfield. He's also like Westbrook. He's a better pass blocker than you would think given his size. But he's really dangerous when he gets out in the flat and you throw him that little screen pass and then he, gets, and he can start running. He's, that's his strength. And I think that Andy's going to build an awful lot of that into his offense uh, to try and help Mahomes out. With the Eagles rush, if the Eagles come out rushing and getting pressure with their four, and I think they will, uh, one of the ways that you can cool that off a little bit is by screening and dunking, dinking and dunking, and he's got the players that can do that. All right, Mike, who's got the edge in running backs? Actually, I'm going to restate that. Who's got the edge? Well, who's got the edge in running backs, including the quarterbacks as a running threat? The Eagles do. Uh, and it's less about the Eagles running backs, as good as Gainwell in particular has been in the postseason, than it is the offensive line and Hurts. Uh, they have an edge there. And, and to Ray's point, I'm, I think he's right on the money about the idea of Andy doing what he's always done, or at least done a lot in his career, which is throwing the ball short to run it. Uh, because he's the, I think the Chiefs want to get out to an early lead. They need to get out to an early lead. Uh, they want to play that way. They want to put, you know, the young head coach and and this team on its heels a little bit in a position they haven't been in often. And to Andy, that means throwing the ball and it means neutralizing the Eagles' pass rush. Uh, but to answer your question, Glenn, the, the Eagles have the better running attack because of those five guys up front. And I do think we'll see more of Hurts in that role than we've seen him uh, against the 49ers and Giants in the postseason because, you know, it's lay it all out there time there's 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 nothing you're saving him for he's got the whole offseason to get his shoulder fixed or anything else he needs to get fixed uh this is for all the marbles let's get matt in ridley with us matt i think you're going to say that mike sealski is brilliant on something well we spoke last week mike and and you glenn and myself i don't know you guys remember mm-hmm. uh mike was right on the money and ray as much as i respect your opinion and glenn's and i do i think we just need to play our game I told your producer, Herb Brooks used to say on the sideline, play your game, play your game against the Russians. And we just need to play our game. It doesn't matter what uh, the Chiefs do. We just play our game, good, aggressive enough, and I think we're going to be fine. And 
I honestly think we're going to win by double digits. I think, and just by playing our game, we're going to keep them off the field anyway. If we run the ball effectively, take some shots downfield, I think we're going to put up about 35 or 38 points. Well, I'm a little bit puzzled. Play, their, play your game. It's, that, that is their game. You know, that is What's, their game. The Eagles game is run the ball. But we can they were the number, they're not, they were the number one rushing team in the yeah, league, right? Right. Exactly. And I think, but, I, but we still do take some shots down the field, and we can put up 35 to 38 points at times. And that's what I mean. Like, we just play our game and not keep the ball and keep it I think, I think what, uh, Matt, if I, if I inter- yes. interpret it correctly, Ray, Matt is saying that you, when you talked about the Giants with that nine and a half minute drive, you're almost saying, right. don't go for the long shot downfield, just run it. I don't know that that's exactly what you were saying. No, that isn't, yeah, what I, that isn't I, exactly what I was saying. I was just saying, okay. uh, yeah, the idea of play, of course. I mean, you get to the yeah. Super Bowl, you got to the Super Bowl playing a certain way. So that's what you're going to do that day. It would be kind of silly to get here and all of a sudden play something other than your game. Uh, the, strength, right. the strength of this team is their offensive line and their ability to run the ball. They've been able to do that against everybody. They were able to do that against a far superior front seven uh, with the 49ers. So, yeah, I mean, they're going to go into that end. One of the things you want to do is if that's the way you attack it and have some success, you will force Steve Spagnuolo to take some chances, with it, and he'll force him to do some things, run, throw up some run blitzes. You'll create one-on-ones on the outside, which will get Smith and Brown matched up against a couple of these rookie cornerbacks, and then you can take some shots in the passing game. 215-592-9494. Mike Sealski is out in Arizona. Hey, Mike, is the... Uh it, the 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 size of the the press the media any bigger or smaller than recent years i'm just curious if with the pandemic largely regarded as over more people are going yeah i think it might be a tiny bit smaller glenn so it's small. still a gigantic uh, contingent of media here uh radio row was was full as usual yeah. uh but i think it just might be a little bit smaller as I, as i referenced earlier it costs so much money to come out here. Crazy. On, you know, a plane ticket, the hotels, you know, all of that. The, uh, the NFL kind of gouged media on the media hotel. It's well north of $500 a night. Ooh. And, yeah, so uh, <laughs> I think it, the, the, the contingent is a tiny bit smaller than it used to be. I want to see the Inquirer accountants when they start, these things start coming. You guys have, what, <laughs> like four or five people out there? How many? Do you know how many? Uh, four or five. We have, I think, 24 or 25, <laughs> actually. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Yeah, okay. it's uh, I may be um, you know, you may see me wearing a sandwich board uh, at the corner of Broad and Market. You know, we'll sell books and newspapers for food. We'll write for apples. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Hey, when you bring up banking, most business people roll their eyes, but I can tell you that Meridian Bank customers don't feel that way. Uh, sure, Meridian business bankers they do the loan thing, and they offer guidance on making your business more successful. But Meridian also puts on great customer events, both educational and social. And, hey, they're a super group of people to be around. If you want to put some fun in your business banking, get started at meridianbanker.com. time. Lentz backs up. He steps up. He starts to run. He fumbles the football. And let's see. Let's see. I think the Eagles are on it. They are. Fumble Carson Wentz. The hit by Brandon Graham. Fumble by Carson Wentz. 
and it is recovered by the Eagles. Well, Brandon Graham told Carson before the game that this was coming. Can I just tell you guys, that might have been my favorite game of the year. <laughs> you know, Glenn, the joy in Merrill Reese's voice yes. telling everyone that Carson Wentz had fumbled yes. was quite telling. And I quite shared telling. that glee, as did Mike Quick, as did we all. Unless I wish Carson Wentz the best. I, I hope he finds happiness in whatever course of life he wants to take hunting and going to church in North Dakota or whatever, because... I don't think it's going to be as a top-flight NFL quarterback anytime soon. But, but, I I asked our producer Kyle Quinn to pull that one up, and Kyle has already done an outstanding job today, and there will be more, because (laughs) the biggest strength, maybe, well, not the biggest strength, because there are others, but the huge strength of the Eagles, and one that radically changed from last year was the strength of the defensive line, which went from 27 sacks, 27 sacks, in the 2021 season to now, where are we, at 79, headed into the Super Bowl? Yes. Uh, yeah. Astounding and incredible. And, you know, there are reasons for that, acquisitions they had, Brandon Graham coming back and so on. Um, who did I go to first last time? I think I went to Mike first. Ray, I'll come to you first. Mm-hmm. When I look at this Super Bowl, the biggest edge I think the Eagles have is their defensive line against the Chiefs' offensive line. That, to me, is where they have the opportunity to win this game as they have all year. Uh, feel free to affirm my brilliance on that. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the Eagles' defensive line has been has pretty much won, has won the day all throughout the year, uh, and 70 sacks during the course of the regular season would certainly attest to that. Um, the, and the Chiefs' offensive line has some what I would consider vulnerability. Uh, we all remember the Super Bowl a couple years ago when they just got hammered by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Patrick Mahomes was every bit the wizard then that he is now, uh, but he couldn't do anything because he didn't have any time to do anything. I mean, his offensive line didn't give him any protection. He spent the whole day running for his life, and um, and they totally shut him down, held him to nine points. And I think that's you know, that can be done. If if you get that kind of pressure, you can take any quarterback out of the game. And the Buccaneers did that and won a Super Bowl, and I think that's going to be what the Eagles are going to try and do here. I think the the Chiefs now have – they saw the problem, and they, and they worked the last couple of years to rebuild the offensive line, and it is better now than it was then. Um, the, the, the kid center that they drafted from Oklahoma, Creed Humphrey, is very good, really good. Uh, and so they're, they're, they're more stout in the middle. But I still think they're beatable on the edges, which is where the Eagles are pretty good. Uh, Orlando Brown Jr. is the left tackle, and he's he's going to the Pro Bowl. But I mean, I've seen him get beaten by pretty good pass rushers this year. The real the real matchup that favors the Eagles is on the other side, where you have Hassan Reddick matched up against Andrew Wiley, um, who is um, the weak link on the on the Chiefs' offensive line. Now, I know I know Andy, being the old offensive line coach that he is has spent the last two weeks just drawing up protections and drawing up protection packages and trying to figure out how am I going to get this pass rush off of, off of my quarterback. And so he's probably worked up a whole lot of things in his protection to try and get Wiley help so that he's not one-on-one with Reddick uh, too often in this game. But if you're just looking at it straight up, if the Eagles go with the five-man front and they create one-on-ones at the line of scrimmage, Reddick versus Wiley is a matchup that the Eagles should win pretty much all day, and every time they do, it's going to be trouble for Patrick Mahomes. 
Mike Sielski? Yeah, it's, it's a really fascinating question, I think, Glenn, for this reason. The Chiefs only gave up 26 sacks all season. That's mm-hmm. the third fewest in the NFL. And only three teams threw it more often than the Chiefs did. So it's particularly impressive that really Mahomes was sacked only 26 times all year. And, and to follow up kind of on what Ray said, I think that's as much, if not more, a function of Mahomes himself and his ability to get the ball out and avoid pressure and dance away and chuck it underhanded or sidearmed or throw it out of bounds. And, you know, he doesn't get as much credit for his smarts and intelligence and savvy as he does for his obvious athleticism. Having said that, he still is on this ankle that we don't quite know. I know. That's how such an X mobile he's going to be. Yeah. yeah. And so you could look at it one of two ways, right? To to double back on what we said earlier in the show, I think I think you and Ray are 100% right. Like he, Andy's going to want to get the ball out of Mahomes' hands quickly to try to neutralize the Eagles' pass rush. Uh, so if the Eagles can get to him that quickly, can they disrupt that? Can they cover the running backs? Can they cover Travis Kelsey uh, so that he can't get the ball out and he has to stand in there just that extra heartbeat longer so that a guy like Hassan Reddick or a Brandon Graham or a Josh Sweat can get to him? So for what it's worth, and yes, the Chiefs have given up, uh, I think you said the third fewest sacks in the, in the league this year. Um, maybe playing into that, maybe, is of the teams that sack quarterbacks, they haven't faced them. Mm-hmm. The the they faced two teams that were in the top ten in sack rate. Uh, Seattle, which was seventh in the league, Indy, which was eighth in the league. Again, by the way, that the Chiefs lost, shocking yeah. loss. Um, so as as Ray, I guess as you said, they haven't faced or Mike, one of you, whatever. See, now I'm confusing you guys. Uh, they have not. They have not faced a pass rush like this. No. Uh, by all accounts, the young center is this great talent, and once Jason Kelsey retires, maybe the best center in the league. I and, think he will be. I th- okay. he, he's, he is that good. Okay, and so getting that push up the middle might be tough, but if you can get around the edge, they're tackles, and you can keep Mahomes from straying outside of that and get to him. To me, that's a huge factor in the game. Yeah, it is, and I think that's what the Eagles' plan is, to try and win on the edges, keep Mahomes in the pocket, don't let him get outside. Don't let him get out there where he can create and go off script because that's when he's at his most dangerous. And that's what the Eagles are going to try and do, and they have the personnel to do it. But one of the things that I think has helped keep that sack total down for them this year is that Andy has largely redesigned this offense with the trading of Tyreek Hill. Um, they're a different kind of offense now. When they had Tyreek Hill they threw the ball down the field a yeah. lot more than they do now, yeah. uh, which resulted, which, you know, if you're, if you're throwing those deep shots to Hill, you're holding the ball a little bit longer. Now, do you know, one of the, I thought one of the most interesting stats, looking back on Mahomes this year, you know how many touchdown passes he had longer than 30 yards this year? You think Patrick Mahomes, you think, it, you're, you're think it's bombs away, right? Yeah, well, sure. He had one. Longer One than, longer than thirty wow. yards. So I mean, a lot of I mean, I don't want to say he's a dink and dunker, but they're doing it more than they used to. Yeah. And he had eleven guys yeah. on this team caught touchdown passes. So they spread the ball around now, and it's a lot more get it out of his hand quick kind of thing. Which 
I'm not going to say is it going to neutralize the Eagles' pass rush because it is that good, but it is going to be a challenge just getting to them because that's that's the way they're built now. Get it out quick and let guys get yards after the catch. Right. Well, that's really that's really interesting, Ray, because we know that Jonathan Gannon's defense is predicated on don't give up the big play, and if the Chiefs are a little more reluctant to take a shot down the field, you know, do the Chiefs adjust? Does Gannon? change his defense at all to try to take away the short game. I mean, that's that's the chess match here, right? Yeah, it is. And the one thing I'm sure that Gannon has been stressing with his guys, and this is of the utmost importance, is guys, you got to tackle. you got to tackle. You can't, if, if, if it's a five-yard pass, it's a five-yard gain. We can't let McKinnon, we can't let Pacheco, we can't let these guys take five-yard passes and turn them into 25-yard gains. We have to tackle. We have to, you know, we have to keep the yards after the catch down because the Chiefs, this year, a lot of their success was based on yards after the catch because they got a bunch of guys that are really good at that. If this, if it happens, that as you guys say, you know, Rich Gannon, Rich Gannon, excuse me, Jonathan Gannon has, you know, playing deep, let him pass it underneath, right? 13 mm-hmm. for 13 in the first half. Every Eagle fan watching the game, their head's going to explode. <laughs> We're, our Eagle fans are not going to be able to handle that. Yeah. No. And the Eagles could no. win the game. But they'll just go crazy watching it. By the way, Hassan Reddick is my dark horse pick for Super Bowl MVP. Uh, defensive players have won it, I don't know, six times, I think, in the history of the game. Right. Last def- last pass rusher. Von Miller? There you go. Yeah. Nice work. There you go. Good pull, yeah. Ray. That well, was you, when you think 50. Of, yeah. Well, when you think about it, Von Miller is Hassan Reddick. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of player yeah. you're talking about, and he's going to be playing that kind of role. So there it, you go. It's not out of the question. Actually, I saw a handicapping thing the other day of MVP likelihood, and, of course, you start with the two quarterbacks, but the number three is Hassan Reddick. Number three? Number three. Oh, I guess that bet's not good. Right, you got to stay away from the betting, right? I, I know since you've retired, it's taken over your life. Yeah, the degenerate gambler, That's Ray right. Dinger. There you go. Let's get John from Maniunk with us. Hello, John. Hey, guys. Ray, it's good to hear you on the air again here. Good to be back, John. Thank you. Yeah, I miss your voice, but uh, before I get I, I, I got a quick X and O's question for you, but you were talking about how things can tighten up for quarterbacks before a game. I remember seeing the National Anthem when Jared Goff was a – Coach of the Rams. He oh, looked yeah. like he was about that, to go in for a that's, route that's now. a real good one. Yeah, that is yeah. a real yeah. good yep. one. Yep. He looked like he was. Uh, you know, I, I knew the game was ever right then. It's so, it's so <laughs> funny. I that I remember that one so well because when they got the close up of him during the anthem, my wife was sitting next to me on the couch, and they got the close up of Goff's face, and I said, "Uh oh." That's exactly what I said. I said, <laughs> mm-hmm. "Uh oh." I said, "I have seen that look before," and sure enough, he played scared the whole game. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah he did. Yes. But I want to hear, Ray, one last time your analysis on um, – been hearing all week one of our fears is Kelsey. How do you think – are they going to bracket him? Can Avanti Maddox shadow him? How do you think they're going to do that? Uh, I think the one – I think what you have to do with Kelsey is you can't do any one thing. You have to do a lot of different things. You have to make it a challenge for both him and Mahomes to understand exactly what coverage he's facing. I think they'll bracket him a lot. Uh, but I think you're going to have different guys covering them. I th- it wouldn't surprise me, and I've seen a couple guys reference this, and I think they might be right. You put Bradbury on him. Uh, I think you'll see, uh, you'll see Gardner Johnson on him some, uh, I, and you'll have a linebacker underneath, and you'll have a safety over the top some. I think the thing you have to do is don't give him the same look two, three, four times in a row because once Mahomes and, and Kelsey know 
once they get up to the line of scrimmage and they know what you're playing, then they're going to beat you. You have to make them think. You have to make them react. You have to make them uncertain. And that's hard to do, but you can't just sit in one coverage and count on winning that battle all day. You have to keep changing things up and make them think and react. Hey, I want to take a minute here. Uh, Mike wrote a column about it. Mike, has the, uh, has the Eagles to Arizona column, I know it posted. Has it been in the paper yet? When's that running? Uh, uh, it's in the Bulldog, uh, but it will be in the Sunday paper. Sweet. And I read it online today. Uh, and you really did a terrific column. Looking back at the circumstances in 1985 when, amazingly, Eagle fans woke up to look at their Philadelphia Inquirer. I guess they're really used to, right? Yeah. And, and see that all of a sudden was possible. Lay it out, and then I'll get Ray involved because I know he was involved in the coverage. People who, so that's, we're now going back, as I said, 38 years. So a lot of our listeners probably have no inkling that this ever even happened. Yeah, well, I mentioned, uh, kiddingly, of course, the degenerate gambling in reference to Ray, but <laughs> it was a it was a real thing with Leonard Toes, yeah. as everybody who's familiar with that era of Eagles football knows. And he was $40 million in debt, and he was looking to sell the team. And one day in the Arizona Republic, the Tuesday, December 11th, 1984, a columnist named Bob Hurt broke the news that, the, that Toes was looking to sell the team to an Arizona-based real estate magnate named James Monahan, And this hit Philadelphia like a thunderbolt. And, you know, fortunately for Eagles fans, within four or five days, uh, Wilson Good, the mayor at the time, and Toes were able to kind of hammer out uh, a settlement that allowed the Eagles to stay. There were, you know, NFL owners were going to help Toes out financially, and they changed the lease at the vet and all of these things. But to me, the interesting part of the story was was kind of, tracing the deep throat so to speak of it like how did bob hurt find this out how did he confirm it because as ray can tell you glenn this was a rumor on the wind for a while and nobody could nail it down and then finally bob hurt did so the column was kind of about that about how he confirmed that this was happening and kind of solving that mystery and then the other aspect of it too was i spoke to leonard toza's granddaughter just to give a, a slightly different perspective on that time, because Toes justifiably took a ton of criticism from fans and the media. Oh, and- man, I remember the Ray Dinger column. I believe Ray wrote something along the lines of, it's the rich man in the limo who rolls down his window just to spit on you. Spit in your face. There you go. Yeah. Was, uh, um, I got you. Yeah, so it was, uh, it was an interesting uh, step back in a time. And, so who was uh, the I deep said, throat? So it was actually Leonard Toes's daughter. Uh, her name was Susan Fletcher at the time. Now she's Susan Spencer. Uh, and Bob Hurt, who knew everybody affiliated with Arizona, had been kind of sniffing around on the story, ran into Susan at a grocery store and asked her, what are you doing here? And she said, oh, we're moving out here and we're bringing the team with us. <laughs> and the interesting so they try to keep it quiet all that time and she just blabs yeah. it. Yeah, and the interesting part about it, guys, and again, I get into this in the, into the column, was that the publisher of the Arizona Republic and his right-hand man, the, the community liaison, were both big boosters of trying to get an NFL team to Phoenix, and they had been working with Toes. So Hurt comes to them with this story and says, I've, I've scooped you guys, I know what you guys are involved with, and the publisher and the liaison say, okay, we got to go with it because we're a newspaper and even though this may screw up our deal and we may not get the Eagles out here, 
we have an obligation to run the story. I give them credit for that. They could have killed yeah. the story and they didn't. Ray, tell one more time, Ray Dinger blissfully sleeping at home on a December night, uh, having the sleeping suit on. I picture you with like the sleeping cap and everything, mm-hmm. snug under the blankets. Mm-hmm. What, a week before Christmas? Yeah. And then what? Uh, the phone rings. It's like one thirty in the morning and the phone rings and wakes me out of a sound sleep and I fumble I fumble around to grab the phone and and it's the night city the night sports editor uh Caesar Alsop and he says uh had you heard anything about the Eagles <laughs> Ray have you heard anything about the Eagles moving to Arizona <laughs> uh and I said uh no uh and he said well there's a story that's uh, it's running in the Arizona Republic today that says the deal is basically done and the Eagles are at the end of this season, are going to be moving to Arizona. And I said, well, and he started reading. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who wrote the story? Uh, and he said, a guy named Bob Hurt. And I said, okay, it's, it's for real. Uh, because I knew Bob Hurt well, uh, and I knew that Bob Hurt knew everybody, everybody in Arizona, and he talked to them, and they talked to him. Uh, and not just sports people, but politicians and everything. I mean, he was a guy with a lot of influence and had a lot of sources. So when Bob Hurt wrote the story, as matter of fact as he did, that this is happening, I told the, I told the sports editor, yeah, that's for real. It's happening. And then we, and then we just started scrambling at, at that hour of the morning, one thirty, two o'clock in the morning, calling people up, just try, you know, waking people up and asking them to confirm. And I remember calling a guy named Dennis Kucinich, who was the uh, a, 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 a senator from Arizona, uh, and... Uh, and he said, oh, yeah, he said, it's happening. Um, and basically said, it's, yeah, the deal's pretty much done. And so, yeah, we, you know, we were, in a, we were an afternoon paper at that time. So we had later deadlines. So we got it out and we led the paper with it the next day. The, yeah. Eagles, the Eagles are moving to Arizona. And that was all anybody could talk about for the next couple of weeks. I will tell you that indirectly, all of that led to me getting hired here because the Inquirer decided. Like right after that, you know what? We should have somebody who covers sports business. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a guy at the paper named Craig Stock. You remember Craig? Nice sure. guy. Yeah, financial guy. Yeah, and they gave the job to him, and he did it for whatever, nine months, a year, and decided like, nah, it wasn't really what he wanted. I think they were going to make him the business editor. And so they decided, you know what? Let's hire another guy to cover sports business. I was in Detroit. They reached out to me. Here we are. Mm-hmm. So Leonard Toes. What have Thank you inflicted you. on us, Leonard Toes? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I appreciate that happening. 215-592-9494. Come out. We're going to check in with the newest member of the NFL, of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Joe Klecko. And we're going to keep doing these matchups and taking your calls along with Mike Sealski in Arizona. Ray Dinger here. I'm Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. All right. Well, what we're watching is sponsored by Guided Door and Window. Take advantage of Guided Door and Window's big winter sale through February. Receive 40% off all windows and doors. Call 1-877-GO-GUIDA or visit go, G-U-I-D-A.com. All right. I'm, I'm going to get this out of the way. Of course, what we're watching is the Super Bowl play-by-play tomorrow. Kevin Burkhardt, uh, Greg Olson will be calling his first Super Bowl. Looking forward to that. Uh, I, I'm, I want to tell you and Mike, particularly, I started watching The Last of Us. 
uh, which I, I so far is great. But I'll talk about that next week because we have a special guest now, and I am delighted to invite to invite to bring on uh, the one of the newest class in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, local guy, the pride of Temple University, Saint High School, Joe Klecko. Joe, it's been a long time coming for you. First of all, congratulations. Uh, as Tom Petty once said, the waiting is the hardest part. How did it feel when you learned? Oh, it was exhilarating to say the least. It was great. Uh, you know, like I say, you wait a long time. And, you know, I've always come up with that year after year. You know, I'd have a voter in the room and they'd come up with, oh, Joe, it, it was close. And uh, when it finally happened, it was really cool. Really cool. Joe, could you t- t- tell us how you found out? Because I think that that's a pretty cool story in itself. Well, basically, you know, uh, the Hall of Fame called me and said, listen, if you're successful, you know, he said, and they started taking everything down. But then when Joe Namath came to my door and knocked on the door and, uh, you know, they had a film crew there with him, and that's how we really found out. And uh, I said, wow, this is just the greatest because, you know, Joe's an icon in the NFL. He really is. Uh, he, he, he's, you know, he's probably the most famous of the early decades of the, uh, of the league. And when he, a guy like him shows up, you know, I'm good friends with Joe and all. It was really, really touching. It was good. I think that's, I think that's just great. Well, Joe, you, you knew that your name was being bandied about, uh, among the hall of fame guys for a couple of years. Uh, I, I was very confident that it was going to happen. I just didn't know when. Uh, but when you got on the ballot this year as the senior, I, I just felt that this was your year. I just felt really good about it. And, um, you know, for all the people from Delaware County, from all the, all the St. James people that know your background and your story about playing for the Aston Knights and all of that stuff, uh, to know that you've actually climbed to the heights of this sport uh, and you're going to be going into Canton this summer is, uh, is just tremendous. And I can only imagine how exciting it is for you and Debbie and the kids. It must be just, and oh, the I, grandkids. At I, this I can point. tell you that I, when I spoke to, I, t- I texted with your son, Danny yesterday, and he was, uh, he's over the moon. Yeah. Uh, for, uh, most of the, you know, time going into this whole thing, it, it was been, you know, on pins and needles a little bit, you know, especially when the, uh, when I was nominated and, you know, everybody kept saying that, you know, oh, don't worry, that's it, Joe. You're, I didn't give that one hoot because reason being is, you know, I've heard a lot of that before and nothing ever turned out. But then when it turned out, it, it really was. It was it was fantastic. And, and like you say, Ray, it, you know, a lot of the Delica- Delaware County people that I've known all my life, I, you know, I didn't realize. I woke up this morning and there was 100 texts on my phone last night. <laughs> I didn't know a phone could actually catch fire. It was unbelievable. It really was. Hey, Joe, this is Mike Sielski. I'm curious why you think it took this long. I mean, my feeling is that in a weird way, even though you played in a big market in New York, you kind of had some bad timing in that your your the peak of your career was the early 1980s. And when people think back to that time in the NFL they often think of Joe Montana making his rise, and they think of the quarterbacks who were coming along at that time, the Marinos and, and even the Elways. Why do you think it took you so long? Well, there, I, you know, I don't know that, of course. I've heard many different stories, and uh, but Joe, Joe DeLamanor and I were talking, the guard from Buffalo was in the Hall of Fame, and uh, Joe, when he got in, uh, 
they were bouncing questions off of him about, you know, everybody. And he said, me, and a reporter asked him, he said, yeah, but what position did he play, you know? And uh, uh, Joe said, what does it really matter? He dominated everyone he played, you know? And it was kind of like a realization. And, and actually, uh, Joe Horrigan out at the Hall of Fame told me that I almost got in on Joe's, you know, a recommendation of that. But then he slid back and kept going on and on. And I just think there was a lot of things. Uh, I don't know if there's a New York bias. I, I couldn't say that, you know. But that was one of the reasons that was brought up to me. But, you know, it, it, it's still a mystery. Because when Gary uh, Myers, who, uh, you know, was my advocate in the room, basically, he did a great job. Uh, you know, he said to me, he goes, Joe, he goes, everybody I talked to on a Zoom call when they took the final vote said to me, he goes, why isn't he in? Why isn't he in? You know, and I'm like, he said, it was like everybody was surprised about it. So, and he felt that, you know, if it wasn't a unanimous vote for me here, it was close to it. So that was pretty good. It was oh, that's great. enjoyable to know that. It's got to yeah. be great. So, Joe, the uh, you were a member of the the New York SAC Exchange. It was you, Marty Lyons, Gastineau, Abdul Salam, and you guys in 1981 had 66 sacks. Pretty damned impressive. This team, this Eagles team, going to the Super Bowl tomorrow, uh, was in the 70s. Your thoughts on this team in particular, it's pass rush. Well, what's to be said? There's a there's a great, you know, uh, a, a great mark right there. I mean, I guess, I don't know if they have it. It's a mark for, you know, the record. But, uh, you know, this Eagles defense, they have eight guys. How many teams have eight guys that can really get after it and and you know stop the run and do everything? They're a, they're really a force to be reckoned with. And you know if if they get ahead in the football game, I mean Kansas City's going to throw the ball out anyway because you know Andy, Andy likes to do that with Mahomes. But if they get ahead in the ball game, the Eagles and have a substantial lead, let's say maybe a touchdown or better, I said, what? There's a there's a tough that's a tough job for the Kansas City offensive line. Well, Joe, you know, speaking for all the St. James guys and all the people in Delaware County and all the people that have known you all this time, um, I think I speak for everybody when I say that uh, everybody feels great for you. We've been waiting for this day. Um, long overdue, but it's finally here. Uh, and uh, I expect you, you're going to watch, you're going to celebrate with the family now. You're going to watch the game tomorrow. But on Monday, you're going to settle down and start writing that speech, right? Yeah, I got Everybody tells me got to get started, Joe. It's okay. <laughs> hey, congrats and a pleasure to talk to you, man. Enjoy. Thanks, guys. Well-deserved. Thank you, Joe. Good for him. So nice Thanks, to see you. By the way, other members of the uh, new class of Hall of Fames, Joe Thomas, first year uh, as an offensive lineman. Yeah, that was that was pretty that was pretty obvious. Yeah, Daryl Revis, yeah. Demarcus Ware, Ken Riley, Chuck, Chuck Howley, another old-timer, Rondé Barber, uh, Don Coriel, <laughs> and Zach Thomas, so. What one point about the Rondé Barber thing, Glenn? Uh, Ruben Frank has a terrific uh, piece up on NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com, uh, arguing that Eric Allen, who we all know well and know, whose career we know well, should have been inducted and voted uh, in before. No Rondé. doubt, no doubt, and hopefully the Hall finds him as it found Joe Klecko. All right, before we hit the break, I do have one more cut we got to play. Scott looks up and he takes it at the goal line, out to the five, ten. 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, midfield, 
45 and down to the 42 yard line goes Boston Scott. What a great return. God, I love Marilyn Mike so much. I definitely am going <laughs> to tune up my TV to it. So we don't have a lot of time to talk about special teams, but I just did want to throw it in for one minute. Um, kickers and special teams. The Chiefs are among the worst in the league at that, Mike. On most of those counts, Butker has been a good kicker. has been injured this year. Mm-hmm. I think the Eagles have the We rarely say this. Eagles have the advantage of special teams. Yeah, it's funny, though, Glenn. Officially, based on the injury reports, the only person in this game who is at less than 100%, and we know that's baloney, but still, is Britton Covey, with a, who was questionable Friday with a hamstring. I'm okay. So well, I, I, I don't want to speak against Britton Covey. I'm not, I, when I say I'm okay with that, I, I wish him the best. No, I know. Uh, if I got Devontae just, Smith returning punts for one game tomorrow? I, maybe, maybe. I, I, and this, of course, affects the stupid football bet. That's what I was going to say. If, if, he, can't, if he can't go, if he really has a hamstring, who's, who's your punt return? Devontae I think it's got to be Devontae. I guess yeah, it's Devontae. He's done a few this year. Yeah, that's, that's who well, I would go your, with. Your putting... Warriors injury? Yeah. Okay. I, I think one game we risk it. Yeah, how about yeah. The, the other part is who's going to be punting? Is there any is there any chance Sippus is going to be back? Yeah, or I think it. Uh, my, well, you're out there, Mike. What's your take? Yeah, I think it's going to be Kern, uh, uh, Brett no. Kern. Um, but it's po- I would say it is possible that Aaron Sippas will end up punting. Brett Kern was made available to us in the in the uh, uh, media sessions this week. Aaron Sippas, to my knowledge, was not. That's not a good sign. Maybe. And the chief and the. The Chiefs punter is the best. The Chiefs punter is yeah, the best good. punter in the league. Townsend, yeah, well, yeah, fifty yard net. I, I will tell you, there'll be under five punts in the entire game. Yeah, but you know wow. what? And if you get in a situation where you're backed up, or you all take one shank punt and you give Patrick Mahomes a short field, if they lose the stinking Super Bowl because of Brett Kern, <laughs> that one will never. That's like the name that'll that never. Will, yeah, that's like going to be Michael Layton. You know, it's yeah. like the name Mike, we never forget. Here's a great Ray Dittinger-inspired pull. How about Mike Michelle? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They didn't even have a kicker. Right. Right. Uh, Okay, so, Ray, I need you to to do the odds on this, okay? Okay. I need odds maker, Ray. Is this your bet? Yeah. You're tied, right? We are. Yes. So here's the deal. Okay. It's a point. It's seven to seven, and this is it. And you get a point. Mike gets a point if... The punt returner muffs or fumbles a return, mm-hmm. or a kickoff return does not get to the 20. Right, okay. Mike? I got that yes. right. Okay. Yeah, that's correct. I get a point for any punt return over 20 or any kickoff return that goes past the 40. Well, I don't see either of those happening. Uh, so we share the dinner. Yeah. Well, now, uh, Glenn, I, 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 well, I Kyle Quinn is sitting there knowing he wins either way. Glenn, I was operating under the presumption that if the stupid football bet ended in a tie, that Ray bought the both of us. <laughs> you know what? Ray got that big retirement package. He could handle that. Oh, yeah, sure. 215-592-9494. What do you think, Ray? One more dinner at Ralph's? I could do that. On you? Uh, no, I can't uh, do that. Darn. <laughs> a dinner right. at Ralph's I can do. The picking up uh, the check. Oh, no. you freeloader, Raymond. I I'd sneak that <laughs> That's in. my middle name. Hey, if this cold winter we've endured hasn't yet convinced you to replace your drafty and efficient windows and doors, the great people at Guided Door and Window can help by giving you one more month to do it at the best prices of the year. Now, if you haven't taken advantage of Guided's big winter sale, it's your last chance to do so. You receive 40% off every window and door. Yes, sir, 40% off each expertly installed energy-efficient replacement window. That also includes free, high-performance, low-E glass 
and 40% off any high-quality door, including insulated entry doors, sliding patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. And you can buy now and pay later with Guida's interest-free financing or low-monthly payment plans. Uh, offer's going to expire at the end of February. Don't let this big final chance for savings pass you by. If your home needs new windows or doors, just call the experts at Guida today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one 877 or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. It's Jeff Stoutland University. No, no, no. You're, you're that guy. <laughs> no, no. Coach. I said that in the thing. You know, I'm just telling you, the players, are, the effort of the players equal results. And those guys, they believe in me. They trust me. And as you know, that's half the battle. Kelsey and Isaac are the two brains behind the out. Those two guys, they do so much up front to help the, team, the other guys uh, put them in good positions and stuff like that. So uh, just a great group. To, I mean, it's unbelievable to coach these guys. Well, that's Eagles offensive line coach and running coordinator Jeff Stoutland in a conversation with Mike Quick. And I want to talk here about the Eagles offensive line versus the Chiefs defensive line, which is going to be a huge deal. Mike, you wrote a terrific profile of Jeff Stoutland over the last week, which doesn't just include the gem of him as a young young man charting plays with M&Ms, uh, <laughs> but really gets into who he is and why he's excellent. Um, and I will tell you that, again, I'm, if I'm looking at advantages the Eagles have, Mike Sealski, one of them starts with their offensive line against the Chiefs' defensive line. Yeah, first, thank you, Glenn. And, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, everybody knows that, that Jeff Stadlin has become kind of a cult hero here in Philadelphia. It's not often that uh, in the middle of Super Bowl week you have – uh, the Philadelphia Inquirer, the ringer.com and Peter King all profiling a team's offensive line coach, <laughs> but it speaks to the guru that Statland is. And look, that has been, I think by far the, the best offensive line in the league this season. Uh, I think it is a huge advantage for the Eagles in this game. Uh, I would be surprised if, the Chiefs, de- Chiefs defense, even with Chris Jones along the defensive line, were able to kind of gum up the works for the Eagles' offense. That's, that's I think, a big reason why, if you feel good about the Eagles in this game, you should feel good about the Eagles, is that uh, that line just allows the engine of the offense to purr. Uh, and I don't see how the Chiefs are, are going to be able to stop the Eagles' offense in that regard. I think it's a matter of, do the Eagles keep from making mistakes? Do they not turn the ball over? And that comes down to them more than it does the Chiefs. Ray, earlier in the week, uh, Ross Tucker was saying that, and I'll see if you agree with this. He said, the Chiefs' defensive line is good, but it's shallow. Uh, You know, Chris Jones is the star. He's the the potential game wrecker there. He's the guy everybody knows. Yeah, no, he's really good. Yeah, okay. But they they don't have depth uh, the way the Eagles' defensive line can go to Sue and Linville Joseph and just keep bringing guys in, Milton Williams, guys who are effective, that the Chiefs, their backups aren't good. So he said, expect the Eagles to be able to connect on big plays later as they wear down the Chiefs' defensive line by pounding, pounding, pounding. They don't have the bodies. Uh, I think that's true. Um, they have one. Um, they, they brought in Carlos Dunlop, who's a— uh, been around. He's, 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 boy, he's older than Linville Joseph. Been around forever. Yeah, he's. he's yeah, I think he, I think they're about the same draft class actually. Um, but they brought him in this year as as a depth player, so he'll get a few snaps. Uh, one of their first round draft picks this year was the George Karlaftis, uh, who is not a starter, but 
but rotates in at right defensive end. He gives them some depth, but they aren't as deep as the Eagles on the defensive line for sure. And the matchup of the Eagles offensive line against almost any front seven has been won by the Eagles all year. And it was won again in the NFC Championship game against a far superior front seven in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. I mean, that front seven is a lot stronger than this one. And the Eagles were able to win that battle. And I, you know, that's, that's kind of the way I see this. One of the things that, that they really do, and it's, this is a credit to Stoutland, uh, and it's a, a credit to Kelsey, too, who's really kind of the key to what happens in the interior of that line, is the Eagles are really good. Um, if a team has one outstanding defensive lineman of just neutralizing them, of just neutralizing them. And the Eagles did it. The Eagles did it against the Giants. When Dexter Lawrence, who, yes, who, who completely wrecked, huh. who we completely, kept hearing going into the weeds, like, oh, Dexter Lawrence, he's going to be the difference maker. Well, he's going to make so. it happen. And, they, well, if they you watched, stopped him. Yeah, if you watched the week week before when they played Minnesota, Dexter Lawrence Tom dominated that game, uh, and he was practically invisible when they played the Eagles because the Eagles just took him out of the game. They kind of did the same thing with Nick Bosa. Uh, if a team has like one really one real defensive line stud, the Eagles are very good at just neutralizing that guy, and that's kind of the t- the way the Chiefs come at you. I mean, Chris Jones is he is the disruptor. He's the main guy on there, and I think the Eagles will attack him the same way they did Lawrence and Bosa. And not that he's not going to make some plays because he probably will, but he's not going to take over the game the way he has with other opponents. And you know that's the way this offensive line is. I mean, they are. Tackle to tackle, they are and have been all year the best offensive line in football. They're a good reason why the Eagles are in this game, and that's a good reason why they're favored to win this game. Mike mentioned uh, Jeff Stoutland becoming a cult figure, and, and I think it's true. And one of the moments that really clarified it to me was when Jordan Mailata is being introduced on national TV. I forget which game it was, but it was a national game. And it's everybody's, you know, this guy from Oklahoma State, blah, 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 Notre Dame. And he goes, Jordan Mailata, Jeff Stoutland University. <laughs> Jordan Mailata, Jeff Stoutland University. There you go. Don't know that my accent worked. But Good job, Kyle. Yeah. That it was, was great. great. Now, Glenn, I thought I was co-hosting the show with Russell Crowe for a minute there. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Well, and listen, I, I, anybody, I think that offensive line tomorrow is going to be such a factor. Yeah. Anybody that was out and watching Eagles practice in Mailata's first year and his second year, when he was being taught how to play American football for the first time. Jeff Stoutland was so tough on him. I mean, I mean, there were, yeah. there were a lot of times on practice, after practice, when I've, I really fully expected Jordan Mailata to go in the locker room, pack his bags, and say, I'm going home. You know, I, I've, you know, I really don't have to put up with this. You know, I can go home and play my rugby and be a big star back there. I don't, I don't need to come out here for two hours every day and get yelled at by this guy. But... Um, that's, it was all of that. It was Stoutland's teaching and my willingness to accept that hard coaching that got him to where he is now, which is really one of the best left tackles in the yeah. league. But boy, Stoutland was tough on him. And oh, by boy. the way, one more game out of Lane Johnson and then pal, go get the surgery, oh, you know, go to, to lie around for the rest, go someplace <laughs> warm and lie on the beach. You and, know, Glenn. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, Ray referencing the manner in which, and you too, uh, that the Eagles have neutralized a single great player. I was watching the NFL Honors Show the other night, and they bring up Nick Bosa as the defensive player of the year. And I said to, 
a couple of the writers I was with, I said, well, by this standard, Lane Johnson has to be the offensive player of the year, right? Because he took the defensive player of the year and turned him into just another guy. Yep, you got it. Jerry in Hatboro is with us. Hey, Jer. Good afternoon, Glenn. Good afternoon, my Nice to hear from you. Nice to hear from you. I, uh, you know, a few years ago, Glenn, in a post bacchanalia uh, wing bowl, you were kind enough to let me co host the wrap-up show, and I predicted that the Eagles would win and it would change the psyche of this city. And I predict that it is not going to be a contest. One thing I've noticed about Patrick Holmes, when he gets whacked around, he's much less effective. And I think he's going to get whacked around. And I think when Andy's probably going to call, what, 55 passing plays, if not 60, he's not, he's predictable. We know what he's going to do. Yeah, Holmes can do some wacky things, but I think he's going to open himself up to get smacked around. And I think that's going to be the difference of the game. Well, Jerry, your lips to uh, Andy Reid's ears and Patrick Mahomes' uh, uh, body and all those things, and I think I don't like Patrick Mahomes' helmet. He looks like the Great Kazoo from the uh, Flintstone many years ago. <laughs> it's not far off. Jerry, That's a deep off. cut right there, Jerry. Uh, Holy cow! Got to the nub of the issue, pal. Yeah, I hope that uh, you all enjoy the hell out of the game. And uh, you know what people say? They like a close game. They like a close game. I don't like a close game. No. My prediction is 31 to 13. Oh, that would bring us great comfort. Thanks, Jerry. Enjoy it. I Well, we'll make our predictions in the next hour. I don't think it's going to be a runaway. Um, I, I did. I heard people saying, like, you know what? It's more fun if it's close. I want it to be tense. I want a close game. Maybe the other team gets the lead for a while. But you remember, the Patriots briefly had the lead in, 50, lead in 52. Yes, they did. <laughs> I will be more than delighted if I sit down at six thirty and the thing is forty eight to three. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not looking for drama. I'm not looking for tension. I'm looking for, you know, grease the poles, baby. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, I you think, yeah, I mean, right. you got it all in Super Bowl fifty two. I mean, you got drama. You got a, a game that went down to the final play, literally, and you won. I mean, that's the best of all possible worlds. But to sit and watch it. Yeah, I, I'd like to have it in hand when fourth quarter starts, especially when you're playing against the number one offense in football and the best quarterback. I, I would like to have it in hand just because I'm up against deadline, <laughs> and I don't want to have to it's the send the wrong curse. column in yes. because I've written two outcomes and I picked the wrong one. Uh, well, it's always the writer's curse is like, okay, one team is up by six, and then with a minute it's like, okay, you're going to write this, a minute to go, uh, lead changes. <laughs> You no, see nobody it. was I've been happy in press boxes. I've uh, seen it in baseball, like a ninth inning home run, and everybody it doesn't matter if it's the home team or the way they're like, damn it, and they like start all over mm-hmm. and rip it up. No, the the over. only person who was happier, uh the only people who were happier that Brandon Graham sacked Tom Brady in Super Bowl fifty two was you know, other than the Eagles, was me. Because right. like that column I'd written it could hold up. What was your column that day? Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, as yeah, yeah. it turned out, uh, because turned he had the, be the great first half and a guaranteed victory and and all of that. So, yeah, became a villain, but he was a hero that night. Uh, he was great that day. 215-592-9494. Coming up, what are we looking at next? Oh, we're going to look at the Eagles secondary versus those Chiefs receivers, including Travis Kelsey. We'll get to deep dive into that one. Ray Dinger is here. Mike Sealski is in Arizona. I'm Glenn Mack now playing point guard and having the time of my life. Hey, for most business people, a meeting with their bank. Oh, before I read this, I'm sorry. Time out. I'll get to that in a second. Ray. Yes. You got a book signing. 
Oh, I do. Thanks, I keep thinking I'm going to sneak it me. in, and I keep forgetting. Tell us. <laughs> thanks for reminding me. Yeah, I have a book signing today at the Barnes & Noble in Wilmington, uh, right there on Route 202, Concord Pike. Uh, and I will, as soon as we wrap up here at 1 o'clock, I'll be heading out there. It starts at 3 and goes till 5. So if you want to come out, we're going to have... Want to talk some talk some Eagles, talk some Super Bowl, maybe have a little pep rally and sign a few books. So Sounds. come on out and see us. Sounds a Noble, Wilmington, 3 o'clock. Terrific. Hey, for most business people, a meeting with their banker can be like a trip to the dentist. But talk to Meridian customers, you're going to hear a different story. Their business lenders come at things with a different point of view. It's your point of view, and that's what makes it great. And they bring a ton of useful guidance and advice. Mostly, they're a genuinely fun group, and I speak from personal experience. Look, the word is getting out. If you'd like to take the stress out of your business banking, Meridian is the go-to bank. That's meridianbanker.com. All right, so... I don't know if you right. You didn't have your headset on there. I don't know, Mike, if you just heard that. Uh, Kyle, play that again if you would. Uh, all right, one sec. Okay, I, I want to hear that one more time. Okay, so hold on. Here we go. There it is. So, so what, what what the heck was that? All right. So for those of you who only listen to the radio station, you don't really get to hear that first voice who uh, who just asked Google who's going to win the Super Bowl. That would be the lovely voice of our morning show producer, Mr. Joe Wechter. Yes. Lovely describes it. Yeah. 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 Right. Uh, <laughs> and he just uh, he just sent me in that clip of audio and, uh, he, you know, he wanted me to wanted me to let the airwaves know how Google was feeling. So, uh, so Google's going for the Eagles there, right? Is that a factor? Big, big um, deal. That's a big fact. Yeah, not in my mind. All right. Let's get back <laughs> to the agenda. Kyle, play the next one. Goff takes the snap, backs up, lets it fly, and it is intercepted. Intercepted. Running with the football is Blackberry, and Blackberry's in for the touchdown. Brad Pick Brad six. Brad James Blackberry. Brad Bradbury. <laughs> At least I didn't say Blueberry. <laughs> I forgot, I forgot about the BlackBerry <laughs> part. That's right. And BlackBerry's in for the touchdown. All right, I'm not making fun of Merrill. I love Merrill, but it was... <laughs> I am. I'm making fun of Merrill. What do you call him? Raspberry? Strawberry? <laughs> okay. I'll Come on. It. it was the first game of the season. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I do that at least 10 times a game, a, a show, as you guys know. So, I, I you know, Merrill, Merrill gets a, James a break on that. Boysenberry but with it, the touchdown. It was a great play. Uh, and there have been so many great plays by this secondary this year. It's another area where going into the year we didn't know what we had. It wasn't particularly good last year, and they've been brilliant this year. Mike, you you wrote a column on uh, BlackBerry this week. Uh, <laughs> let's you know just kind of give me your overall perspective on the secondary the Eagles bring into the game tomorrow. Yeah, it's as strong as it's been, I think, since probably the Super Bowl year. Uh, you know, you don't necessarily have a Malcolm Jenkins at safety, but the cornerbacks are terrific. I'd argue that James Bradbury, you know, and was, he was voted a second-team All-Pro, and I think that's deserved. I think for all the, the laurels that Darius Slay got early on, I think Bradbury's been more consistent, more consistently good all year. As Ray referenced uh, earlier in the show, I absolutely think you're going to see him at least part of Sunday's game, on Travis Kelsey. He's got the size to be able to 
to cover a player like Kelsey. Uh, you've got depth now and a little nastiness with C.J. Gardner-Johnson back there, and Avante Maddox is an, is an excellent slot cornerback. Uh, between that and the pass rush, that's what you want. And I think, again, to bring this full circle to what we've discussed, you know, that's going to be the challenge for Andy. Is he going to be throwing the ball out of the backfield, you know, to to running backs to try to get favorable matchups against the the what two linebackers the Eagles might have on the field and T.J. Edwards and Kaiser White? Uh, because that those are the soft soft targets of this defense. The the secondary is not. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's exactly right. And if Andy's looking at this, I don't think he's going to want to challenge Bradbury and Slay. Um, and I think that's going to be – there's where your chess match really comes in is Gannon against Andy and how you, how the Eagles are going to deploy their cover guys against the weapons that the Chiefs have because they're, they're – uh, the composition of that, that offense is a little weird. It's, it's so different than when they had Tyreek Hill. I mean, the, the wide receivers they have now aren't anywhere near him. I mean, they're more possession type of guys. Certainly Juju Smith-Schuster is like that, and he only had three catches in the last two games. So it's an offense that runs through Kelsey, first of all, first and foremost, but then the backs out of the backfield are a big, big part of it. Uh, and you can do that. If you're Andy, you can do that without challenging the corners. That's, and I'm sure that's how he's going to want to try to do this. We're going to, we're going to try to throw the ball 45 or 50 times but not put it near the two cornerbacks because that's the strength of their secondary. So do you, you see what – Go ahead, Hold on. Do you single cover their wide receivers? I would. I would. I, I definitely would. One with a safety. Yeah, and I would. I would. I would double Kelsey in almost any circumstance with Bradbury and Edwards. Bradbury and, and or, Kaiser or, White or, or, or Gardner Johnson. Wow, with with a with a corner and a safety yeah, on a tight end because he's that good. I mean, you yeah. can't really define him by the typical tight end standards. I mean, he's. Mm. You know, he is just, I mean, the guy caught 110 passes this year for 1,300 yards. I mean, he's, yeah, yeah I mean, he's, he's a tight end by designation, but he doesn't play like a tight end, and you can't play him like a traditional tight end. You have to do special things to deal with him. And you also have to understand that he is the fulcrum of their offense. They're not going to beat you running the ball, and they're not going to beat you throwing the Ju- Juju Smith-Schuster. If they're going to beat you, they're going to beat you with Kelsey. So you have to do everything possible to take him away. Yeah, I was just going to say, guys, it's an interesting comparison to the last offense that the Eagles played in the 49ers. And certainly there's no comparison between Patrick Mahomes and Brock Purdy or Josh Johnson or Jimmy Garoppolo or some guy off the streets of San Francisco who the 49ers might have had to use at quarterback. But in terms of the skill position players and the things that those offenses try to do, you know, George Kittle to Travis Kelsey Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey to some, you know, concepts that that Andy likes to use with his skill position guys and a, and a team with the 49ers where, you know, we were having similar discussions about how do the Eagles play them? Well, you know, does it work to their advantage that the Eagles corners are so good because the 49ers aren't going to want to go outside anyway? I think there's it's an interesting juxtaposition. I imagine in this case they're a little too smart to have the uh, to use their tight end to back Hassan Reddick, right one on one. They're not going to do that. I would think not. That was dumbest. But okay, I'm I'm getting off script for one minute. And I know Mike, you've seen this, Ray. You are blissfully unaware of social media and all the, and probably all the commentary comes out. Uh There has been more whining and crying from San Francisco (laughs) over the last two weeks. Uh, not just from fans and broadcasters, analysts, writers, but from their players 
who will not accept the fact that they lost to the Eagles, believe it only occurred because they lost their quarterback. Otherwise, they would have won the thing going away and have taken shot after shot at this Eagles team going into the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Now, ultimately, it means nothing because, I mean, you know, if somebody wants to believe the Eagles are getting a little bulletin board material over something that Brandon Ayuk is saying or Robbie Gould is saying or whatever, I guess we've seen dumber bulletin board material. But it's just infuriating to me how guys like Debo Samuel – Wait, Debo Samuel went at it with Quez Watkins on yeah, Twitter? Yeah, Ray, how'd you miss this? What happened? <laughs> it's a little bit of a spat <laughs> yesterday. Well, uh, Quez Watkins just tweeted. He didn't tweet at anyone in particular. He said, take your L and STFU. We know what that means. Mm-hmm. Debo quoted it, said, put an at on it. Need to know who you're talking to uh, with tons of misspellings. Uh, and then Quez Watkins responded to that and said, at whoever's still whining about an old ass game. That was uh, that was the end of that. Well, I'm with Quez. Me Mike, I, I'm sure you've seen it. It's yes. I mean, I I should just kind of laugh and walk away, but I I just find their inability to handle a loss, um, childish, foolish, yeah, annoying. It is. It is, and we're not in a society anymore, Glenn, where the expectation is that you would just ignore that, right? Because of social media, the expectation <laughs> oh. is you're supposed to respond in kind and yes. go back and forth, do what Quez Watkins did there. Yeah. And um, You're saying you know, people have a difficult the, time accepting a loss in society? Yeah, if I were the Eagles, I would. if I were any player in the Eagles, I would just tweet hashtag scoreboard and be done with it. Yeah, well, there you go. Okay, let's get Robert in Germantown. Robert, what's on your mind today? Hey, how nice to hear you guys having fun together again. It should Thank be you. illegal. Ray, I thought thought you were supposed to be on a cruise ship somewhere warm by now. Yeah, my wife keeps reminding me of that. Um, We we will do that someday, Robert, but Super Bowl Bowl week is not the week to do that. Uh, I picture Marie at home right now. Yeah, she just frying pan in hand. Yeah, she just threw something at the radio. Yeah, she's she's screaming. That's right, Robert. I'll give you funny. Uh, Let the record go. state, I, I, Ray Dinger's wife is a lovely, charming woman who probably does uh, have sure. a little bit of anger right now. Uh, I'm sure it's all it's all good. Um, so anyways, thanks for the great commentary. I think one of the things that has not been said a lot, and I've been listening all week, um, I, I don't view this game personally having a lot of passion because I don't really find a reason to hate the Kansas City Chiefs the way I would Tom Brady or the mm. San Francisco you know, they were they were playing cheap and dirty and whining and all this kind of crap. I mean, Kansas City is a class team. For me, I view football in two ways. And we're going to see two systems go head-to-head, I think. And let's see what you say. I think we're going up against a chess master who plays a very sophisticated, elegant passing game. And then we're going up against a team that's the leading rusher. They're going to slam it down their throat if they need to. Although they can be somewhat elegant, too, now and then. So we got two styles. I'm excited about the chess match part of it more than I am about I hate the Chiefs. Sure, I want the Eagles to win, but I'm looking forward to a, a real brilliant chess match. I love the word, the way you guys have used it. I think that's spot on. You know, it's funny when you say the chess match. I think that uh, you know, with Andy Reid, he's, he's a master tactician who's memorized every chess book there is and knows all his opening move and so on, except in those chess matches when there's the timer there. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he could run out of time. I picture Andy Reid kind of his hand hovering over there, like, what am I going to do? Time's running out. Uh, no, it, it's, a, it's a great point, Robert. And to his point of we don't have the animosity toward the Chiefs that we did toward the Patriots, 
I mean, there are the Andy Reid haters. None of us is among them, right? We bear. No. No. Actually, right. I believe earlier this week I watched you saying we should all spend a moment giving thanks to Andy Reid. Yeah, I, I posted a, a video to that effect. How'd that go over? Uh, I don't know. Um, I, I hope people understood the spirit in which it was in which it was done. Um, I'm not speaking to Ray anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I guess Angelo did see it then. Yeah. Um, but um, what what I basically said was that I think that if you look at what the Eagles are now, Andy Reid's fingerprints are all over this team. I mean, they, they were a team that was – Andy brought a certain philosophy of, of, of how to build a team, and he brought in a certain uh, organizational mindset. Um, that took this team from where it was in 1999 to where it is now. And even though he's gone, you know, Jeff Lurie and Howie Roseman are largely following the Andy Reid blueprint here. So, you know, you think about the, your veteran, your core leaders on this team, Cox, Graham, Kelsey, Andy brought them here. You know, you, the statue outside the link, you know, Philly Special, Peterson and Foles, Andy brought them here. Um, in many ways, I mean, he sort of built, he sort of created the template that has taken this team to the playoffs year after year and won 10 NFC East championships. So, you know, I think, I don't expect anybody to be rooting for Andy. I don't expect any Philadelphians to be rooting for Andy once they kick it off. But what I was saying was, you know, just for a moment before they kick it off, it wouldn't hurt to say, hey, Andy, thanks, because you helped get us here. Yeah, I'm not doing that, but I understand what you're saying. <laughs> no, so, uh, go ahead. Mike. Ray, I, I, no, I was just going to say, Ray, um, I'd be curious to your thoughts about this. I mean, you know exactly what Dick Vermeil inherited and what he did to turn the Eagles of the mid-1970s into a team that could reach the Super Bowl. I mean, the guy didn't have a first-round draft pick, I don't think, for the first three years uh, yeah, of his tenure as head didn't coach. Didn't have one until 79, right. There you go. Um but I, you just laid out, I think, a really compelling case for why you can. You might argue whether Andy Reid is the best coach in Eagles history, but he's probably the most consequential when you think of it that way. That that when he came in, he, as you said, he laid the blueprint for what was to come and the and the formula that the franchise was going to stick to to kind of maintain this level of competitiveness for as long as they have. So let me look at it. Ask you guys about it in another perspective. The last Super Bowl, which was the first one they ever won, which was the first championship the team had won since 1960, for most Eagle fans, the first they had ever seen. And what was so impactful f about it that I witnessed was people who got to watch it with their dads, with their grandparents, with their you know granddaughters, and so on. The generational right. Uh, Ray, and and you know this because it was best exemplified by after the game, you being in Minneapolis, your son coming into the studio, and you two sharing that very very emotional moment. Right. That I think you at the time you didn't understand why people would want to see that, but you were everybody. That was everybody in the Delaware Valley, and that was you. And by the way, I knew you were lying when you said you weren't a fan. So that, <laughs> but as you know, we argued about that for years, and it proved my point. Checkmate. Thank you. But in the larger scale, we've won one now. We got to experience that, that lifelong longing, just give me one and right. I'll be happy. We got it. Mm -hmm. So how will this one be different for fans, Ray? 
Uh, I don't think it's going to be a whole lot different. I think the celebration will be just as jubilant. I think there'll be just as many people on Broad Street. I think there'll be just as many people climbing the poles. I think there'll be just as many people at the parade. Yeah, I, I don't think... I don't in in this city what this city feels uh, towards its football team. Uh, I don't think I don't think that winning a Super Bowl is something that will ever become old. I think every time it happens, I think it's going to be a cause for great celebration. And I think that people really, I think that the, you know, what's happened in this city now, uh, there's a real sense of. I don't, it's, it's, it's a very dynamic feeling that I'm getting in the city right now. And I think, I think it, part of it is it just sort of feeds off of the Phillies run. You know, what happened with the Phillies in September and, and the whole red October. And it fed right into the, you know, in the Phillies World Series, the Eagles are still the un, un, only undefeated team in the NFL. And then you just sort of step from one great moment into another. And I think it's kind of a cumulative thing that it's been building. And maybe that's part of the reason why the Philadelphia fans are so optimistic. That you know, you know, maybe we aren't really the underdogs anymore. Maybe we can really win. You know, maybe we are really. Yeah, it's funny. I, it's, maybe we are really all that. And I don't. I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's a comfortable fit because it's certainly not the Philadelphia I grew up in. But I think that's part of it. But to your point and to your question, how is this going to be different than Minneapolis? Um, it won't be new, but I don't think it's. Go- I don't think that's necessarily going to make it any smaller. Mike, what do you think? I think. It's a little bit different only in that the dynamic of this team is different. Uh, I think, as you guys said, Glenn in particular, the, the underdog pose is the natural one for Philadelphians to take. As yes. a kid growing up in the, in the suburbs, for instance, I was a huge Flyers fan. And so when they made the finals in 1985 and 1987, as excited as I was about that, I also knew that going in, they weren't the Maserati franchise in the finals. The Edmonton Oilers were. And if the Flyers happened to win, boy, that would be an incredibly great surprise. But you couldn't come away from that saying, well, they blew it. You know, they lost to the better team. For the first time in a long time, I think the perception is this Philadelphia team, these Eagles, are the better team. And so that's a little bit uncomfortable. Yes, that's how for a I lot feel. Of people. Yes. I mean, when I break it down dispassionately, I think like, yeah, they're the better team. When I look at it as, you know, and listen, I'm both a broadcaster and a fan, and I don't shy away from that now. I'm the Newspaper guy's got to be different. I appreciate that. But it's it's I'm more comfortable, having lived in this town for 30-plus years, I'm more comfortable. Ray, let's get the dog masks out. Mm-hmm. You know, we had those, and they served us well. But that's not so going to that's not going to diminish the celebration. No, no, win, right? no. The celebration is one thing. To me, it's more the feeling going in of it's odd to be a favorite. Um, oh yeah, I felt I, I definitely yeah, feel that. Yeah. But right. but I do think I do think Ray that that element of nostalgia and emotion and that feeling of there were so many people who waited their whole lives to see this, and many of them didn't get to see it. So there was this feeling of oh my my grandfather would have loved to have seen this or my mom would have loved to have seen this. Because the Eagles won just five years ago, if they win again tomorrow, that aspect of it will be toned down a yeah. little bit. Yeah, I, I remember we had a caller after this Super Bowl, Ray, I don't know if you remember, who said that he went the next day or maybe even that night or the next morning uh, to the cemetery and sat next to his dad and talked to his dad's gravestone. Oh, sure. Said, dad, we finally got one. Oh, sure. I mean, there were, I remember the news coverage, the, the news coverage of 
going going to cemeteries and how many people had eagles jerseys draped over the headstone yeah. their relatives and how many at the parade uh, how many people were there with the ashes yep. of their yeah. and listen at the moment that brought me to tears in Minneapolis was the moment when I hugged my son and I said that was for grandpa right I mean, those those I was that was there was those words that made me cry. Fortunately, in the five years since, we have not lost a lot of people. I mean, clearly, right. some of us have, and but yeah. you know, it's it's not that same thing. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yes, right. we'll take a break. We'll come back. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. By the way, this hour is sponsored by Meridian Bank, innovative business banking for entrepreneurial success. With Ray Dinger here, Mike Sealski. In Arizona, I'm Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Hertz looks, fakes, still looking. He is going deep down the far side, and it is A.J. Brown again! Another touchdown! 29 yards! Boom! Good punctuation by the color man. Boom! <laughs> By the way, this hour brought to you by Meridian Bank, innovative business banking for entrepreneurial success. Ray Dinger, Mike Sealski, I'm Glenn Mack now, and it is 1227, and we have yet to talk about one of the great strengths of the Eagles, which is the wide receivers, or which are the wide receivers. That was A.J. Brown catching a touchdown in double coverage against the Steelers. If you remember afterward, he kind of points to the two guys covering and says, you can't do that. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Sielski, I would like to believe that even while we said the Eagles should focus on running the ball, grinding it out, doing, what would you say, Ray, the Giants had a nine-and-a-half-minute drive to beat the Patriots that nine, year. No, 9.59. 9.59 that year when they beat the Patriots, shocked the undefeated Patriots in the Super Bowl, that at least once or twice, A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith are going to create that magic. Interesting to me, Glenn, is the Eagles' play calling early in this game. Uh, we've talked virtually the entire show about the advantage they would have running the ball, the terrific offensive line, keep Patrick Mahomes off the field, score points at the same time, all of that. We have seen this season, for the most part, that Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen like to throw the ball early to get that lead. They still believe that. Saw it against the Bears, for instance, and it led to a couple Jalen Hurts interceptions and people kind of, you know, slapping their foreheads saying, why aren't they running the ball against this terrible team in this ter- these terrible conditions? So, look, I think A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, and I wrote this before the season that they were going to be this, are the best pair of, of wide receivers the Eagles have ever had. Uh, but I want to see what is done early in this game. Are they going to try to get them the ball? Do they feel like if they can get the ball to A.J., get the ball to Devontae, maybe even to Goddard, it opens everything else up for the running game? Uh, very interesting question to me. Ray, I want five years from now us to be able to play an A.J. Brown highlight and or Devontae. I'll take both. The way over all these years we have played the Brandon Graham strip sack and the Philly special and the the touchdown catch by tight end and you know all those ones that we'll remember forever. Mm-hmm. I want that out of the Super Bowl. Well, I think you've got a chance to get that. I mean, we haven't seen it in the two playoff games. Uh, AJ Brown in the two games has 50 yards receiving. I know in the two games combined. So I mean, he, he was not happy in the Giants game. Either. I mean, do you do you think he's going to be quiet for a third game? I don't think so. And you know, the Chiefs have a um, they they needed to rebuild their secondary. Their secondary was not very good last year. Uh, so they went out and they 
I mean, they drafted a ton of players, and they have a lot of young guys in that secondary. Uh, talented, uh, but young and prone to making mistakes. And I think that's that, that there will be that opportunity, especially if the Eagles run the ball successfully. And as I said earlier, Spagnuolo, who's a very good defensive coordinator, decides, look, i I got to start taking some chances here. i got to start run blitzing. i got to start sending some guys and trust and trust to play the one-on-ones on the outside. Then I think you'll have some opportunities to hit some really big plays. A.J. Brown is due for a big game, uh, and we, we have seen Devontae Smith as a college player uh, in big games just be tremendous. Ooh, national championship. That's right. Mm. A couple times. Yeah. A yeah. couple times. Two yeah. times over. So, I, you know, I really, th- I really think Devontae Smith is going to have a huge game tomorrow. I really do because Snead is their best defensive back, and they generally put Snead on the other team's best receiver which means to me I think he's probably going to be on Brown, and Brown should probably be able to win that one anyway. But he's their best guy, which means that Smith is going to be going against their twos and threes, and to me that's a matchup you can really take advantage of. Like it. By the way, uh, A.J. Brown in that Giants game where he, you know, he was famously seen unhappy on the sidelines and so on, and I think would he have two catches for 21 yards or something like that. If you go back and look at that game, despite all that, he threw some great blocks. Yeah, exactly. He, mm-hmm. I mean, he played the yeah. game. He didn't sulk like a diva wide receiver. I'm not in the play, so I'm not going to do anything. He didn't check out. No, which, which we've seen other no. guys do. Yeah, and the, the, I really admire that. The one touchdown that Devontae Smith scored on that quick screen—that's all AJ Brown blocking, clearing a path for Devontae to get in the end zone. I think it was the touchdown that made it fourteen nothing. Yeah, uh, yeah. AJ threw a tremendous block on that play. Yeah, I've seen when I was working at NFL Films, I looked at a lot of film. Uh, and I saw a lot of, to years you return, the diva wide receivers. If they aren't getting the ball, they stop playing. I mean, Keyshawn Johnson was a classic example of that. If he's not getting the ball, I mean, there would be plays if he knew it was a running play, he would stand on the sideline with his hand, I mean, stand on the line of scrimmage with his hands on his hips and not even play. I mean, he, I mean, you talk about checking out. It was all about him. A.J. Brown, was he mad about not getting the touches? Yeah, he was. He talked about it after the game. But the fact of the matter is, during the game, he went out and played his butt off. And let us at this moment give a tip of the cat and a f- uh, cap and a strong salute to one Howard Roseman, who on draft night made that deal for A.J. Brown uh, and had a great off season as he did five years ago. How he's had his up years and his down years. This year, all those guys he brought in, some of them we won't see next year. Bradbury, Blackberry, I don't know he's going to be here next year. <laughs> Barb, Right. <laughs> Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, I don't know that he's going to be uh, here next year. There's a lot of those guys. Um, but Howie had a great offseason, and that's that's why this team is here. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. And the other one is that, you know, Howie also made the trade to get Devontae Smith. I mean, he's the guy right, that made right. the trade to jump ahead of the Giants made the trade with the Cowboys to jump out of the Giants because the Giants basically had the card written up with Devontae Smith on it. I mean, they, Dave Gettleman, their general manager, had decided weeks ahead of time that we're taking Devontae Smith if he's there. And how he knew that, and when he saw the opportunity to get ahead of the Giants and get Devontae Smith, he made the trade and did it. And, you know, I mean, those two wide receivers are here because Howie Roseman made that happen. And so you got to give him credit for that. Yeah, who would the Cowboys end up with? Well, never mind. That's, that's just, <laughs> we don't want to get too deep <laughs> he, into that. They did he's okay, He's not bad too. either, that guy. No, he's not bad either. Uh, Kyle, you're uh, 94 WIP. Hello, Kyle. Hi, guys. Hold on. Let me get you off. Uh, yeah. Let's, yeah, let's do it. 
While Kyle is doing, hold on, Kyle. While Kyle's doing that, I'll tell you that this hour. Hold on, Kyle. Now, yeah, I'm waiting for you. I'm going to put in a plug. This hour sponsored by Meridian Bank, innovative business banking for entrepreneurial success. All right, Kyle, what do you got? Hey guys, how are you? Uh, good to talk to you. I never called into your show before. I called into a bunch of other shows. Well, nice to hear um, from you. I just want to get a. I want to get your guys' opinion. I got two talking points that I would. I would like to know your opinion about. I was reading today something. I think I believe it was from Pro Football Focus that they have um, this guy Creed Humphrey number one over Jason Kelsey. And oh, in my opinion, I think Jason Kelsey the shot ended up being one of the. One I, of think, the best I think that's blasphemy. And, and, yeah. and until Kelsey retires, Jason Kelsey should be regarded as the greatest center on earth. What's your second? Point? Absolutely. The, the second one. Um, I want to know what you think. <laughs> Hassan Reddick, he really, really picked it up, I want to say, the last eight games or so. It kind of coincided with um, when Sue and Joseph had come onto the team. Now, do you think it had more to do with the line and the way the line was built or or Jonathan Gannon just getting a better feel of how to be able to utilize Hassan Reddick? I think it's probably a little bit, I think it's probably a little bit of both. I mean, earlier in the year, um, you saw Reddick was, was dropping into coverage a lot, a lot more than I thought he should. Um, they have now become more of a, a, a solid five-man front with Reddick as the fifth component to that. Uh, and that gets him involved in the game in the way that I think he can impact it the most, which is as a pass rusher. I mean, he can do the other stuff, but, I mean, he's at his best when he's hunting down the quarterback. And they've given him the opportunity to do that more the second half of the year and certainly through these two playoff games. And, you know, if they're going to win the game tomorrow – they're going to have to start by winning it by getting pressure on Patrick Mahomes, and the pressure on Mahomes, I think, is most likely to come from Reddick. So that's I expect to see him at the line of scrimmage pretty much start to finish tomorrow. All right, boys, you know what time has come? Uh, Fold a piece, piece of paper. paper. Oh, there we go. <laughs> All right, Mike Sielski. You go first, my friend. Lay it out. What are we going to see tomorrow starting at 6.30? So this should be no surprise to anybody who read my column in the Inquirer last week. Uh, I think the Eagles are going to win tomorrow, and I think it's going to be, all things being equal, relatively easy. I think they're just a better team. I think the fact that Patrick Mahomes, no matter how injured he might be, maybe he's close to 100%, he's not at 100%. And I think that's a factor. Uh, it's been something that's kind of just gone unspoken this week in some ways. It's, oh, it's Patrick Mahomes. He's, he's going to be a magician. Well, you know, there may be a hole in his, in his magic hat here a little bit, at least a pinhole. Ooh, um, that's a, you know what? So, you saved that line. You may be able to use that. <laughs> maybe. Um, so I picked the Eagles 38-24 to 24 in, in print, and I, I picked them here on the air, 38-24. Wow. Whoa, that would be great. Ray Dinger? Wow. Going way over. Um <clears throat> I I like the Eagles in this game. I have um, for the whole two weeks sizing it up. The more the more I studied it, the more I looked at it, the more convinced I am that the Eagles are better. I mean, I thought that going into it, but I I, I mean, I think they're better, significantly better uh, in terms of the the total roster up top to bottom depth. The Eagles are a much better team. The only the only thing is the Chiefs have a couple of really dynamic players uh, and a couple guys like that can tip the balance. Uh, and we're talking about Mahomes, we're talking about Kelsey, we're talking about Jones. They have those guys. I just don't think it's going to be enough. I just think the way the Eagles are built, the way they play, the way the offensive line just dominates the line of scrimmage. Um, and the, the Eagles' offense is, there's no other offense in the NFL quite like it. That, and I think it's a challenge for any team to play against them. 
I don't think that the Chiefs have the defensive manpower in their front seven to stop this running attack. Um, I don't think I think the Chiefs' inexperience in the secondary is going to hurt them. You know, I think Brown and and Smith will get some big plays in this game, uh, and I think the Eagles are going to and I think they're going to get pressure on Mahomes and force him into some mistakes. I I was asked a question on NBC this week. Um, finish this sentence: The Eagles will win if. And my answer was the Eagles will win if they don't turn the ball over. I really think that's the only way. I don't think the Chiefs' defense can stop the Eagles if they don't make mistakes. So I'm picking the Eagles not quite by the margin that Mike suggests. I'm saying, but fairly close. I'm saying the Eagles 31-24. to 31-24. to 24. And, Ray, what did I say? All right. And I am opening the folded piece of paper. And it is, well, we're all kind of together on this. And you're saying Eagles 33-27. Yeah, uh, and I'm surprised that I'm the one that picked it the closest of the three of us. How about that? Um, yeah. I think that um, kind of what you said and what we started the show with, which is the Eagles running game is going to be effective. It's going to wear them down. The game's going to be close for a while. Kansas City's defense will tire out. And late in the first half, maybe in the second half, the Eagles will be able to, to uh, score, put up some points. Uh, A.J. Brown's going to catch one long one or Devontae Smith or both. Uh, Miles Sanders could well finish over 100 yards. The Eagles will be able to move the ball. That said, you can't stop Patrick Mahomes. Here's a bet. I don't know they make this one. They got the uh, the odds on them throwing a uh, two-yard shovel pass for a touchdown? <laughs> no, I haven't seen yeah, that. Well, Andy Reid will do that, and they'll get one of those, and Mahomes will throw a couple of amazing balls from weird angles, and you're not going to keep them out of the end zone. But in the end, everything you guys both said, the Eagles are the better team, and they shall win. Okay. And we shall Alrighty. celebrate. Grease the poles. Mm-hmm. Let it be so. Yeah. Well, we talked a lot. You started off by by pointing out how statistically similar these two teams are, and they are in many areas. But one of the areas where they are not, where there's a decided disparity, is you just mentioned red zone. Um, the Eagles and both both teams are very good offensively in the red zone, two of the best. But the Chiefs defensively in the red zone are one of the worst. And that's going to be, to me, key to this game. The Eagles are going to move the ball, and they're going to have their opportunities inside the 20. They're going to have to, they're going to, have to score touchdowns. And the Chiefs' defense has had trouble stopping teams in there. You know, if they get touchdowns instead of field goals, then I think it's definitely an Eagles kind of day. Yeah, I love Jake Elliott, but Jake, the less we, just, just, we need you just for kickoffs and extra points today. There you go. All right, we'll come back. We'll find out what we forgot to talk about. Grab one or two calls and send you on to your way. WIP Sports Time is 1240. Smith in the slot. Now Gamewell goes wide to the far side of the field, empty backfield. Hurts looks. Hurts fires. Complete. He's got Dallas Goddard spinning across the goal line into the end zone. The Eagles score. Yeah, they're going to try and play man coverage with Xavier McKinney on Dallas Goddard. And Dallas Goddard is just too physical for him. Runs that little outcut. He puts pressure on the, on the inside, breaks away from him. He gets a little bit of a pick. 
from Pascal, but he's wide open, little one-hander, and he gets into the end zone for the touchdown. We didn't mention Dallas Goddard all day, and that's a that's a shame because he's you know been a very effective part of the team, and would love to see him get involved. Yeah, he's been sort of overshadowed by the other tight end this week, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> that might that might happen, but he'll he'll definitely have a role in this game, and he's he's very good, and he's just getting better. He's really good player. Yeah. All right, uh, let me get in uh, one call here, and then I'll ask you guys a question. Mitch, I got like thirty seconds. What's on your mind? Ray, thank you for signing my book. I was I was under the weather a few weeks ago. My brother-in-law Paul got the book. Thank I, you. Uh, it was my pleasure. My pleasure, thank Mitch. You. Guys, it's been the longest two weeks. Uh, Eagles thirty to twenty-one. So excited! I can't wait for the commercials too. That Breaking Bad commercial too. All the guys there for that chip commercial. That's going to be exciting. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, it's just been. It's just been. This is unbelievable. And this and they're How you know, we not talking about off, that off of South Street already. Got the jerseys on, and I got my hat. And people. Oh are, yeah, so oh, you are. You are right down in the heart of it. I would guess that it's it's bustling. Everything is. I went out last night to one of my brew pubs in Conshohocken. Yeah. Everybody, like, you know, four-year-old girls wearing Eagle cheerleader outfits yeah. and everybody coming in wearing yeah. the colors. It's such a great thing to see. You see Ray, you've seen the art museum yeah. this week? I have. Hi, Mike. I didn't say hi. How you doing? Hello, Mitch. I'm more concerned yeah. about the four-year-olds hanging out at Glenn's Brew Pubs. Yeah. Come up, a child-friendly place, man. Bring your okay, kids. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, Glenn, and dogs. Know, there was a dog wearing a jersey. Um, last week, you said about Valentine's Day. I sell flowers for Valentine's Day. You said... Sandpaper, I Mitch, love it. Though. Mitch, we were not on that. Give me one Eagles point, and then I'm going. Um, Jalen Hurts is going to run a lot. There you go. Good work. All right. Good job, Mitch. All right. We're not talking sandpaper and roses. <laughs> uh, all right. Quickly, what are you guys doing for the rest of the day? Well, I'm imagining Mike Sealski's got the best answer for that. Does the word sunbathing mean anything to you guys? Yeah. No. Right. Um, just going to – no availabilities today. Everything's filed. Nothing but waiting until kickoff. So uh, big inquire dinner tonight, meeting a couple of friends to touch base this afternoon, say hello, and that's pretty much it. Nice. Ray, I know you're headed for a book signing. I am. I'm headed uh, – as soon as we finish up here, I'm headed down to the Barnes & Noble in Wilmington, Route 202, Concord Pike, and uh, I'll be there – Signing books and talking Eagles football and talking Super Bowl from 3 to 5. Well, you guys both have a pretty good situation. Um, my uh, job today, well, i got to go home. I'm gonna, I want to plan tomorrow's pregame show. And then after that, fellas, I will be babysitting for a 2-year-old who's uh, in the midst of potty training. So that's, that's Oh, uh, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> I just yes, had sir. major flashbacks. <laughs> there we go. That's what I'll be doing this evening. So, ha, ha, ha. Uh, <laughs> let us now find out what we forgot to talk about with uh, Kyle Quinn. Kyle, great job today on all those cuts. Really Thank appreciate you, sir. your good Yeah, work. well A lot done. of fun. Thanks, well guys. Um, great Atta show. Guy, Kyle. Thanks, Mike. Uh, appreciate it. All right. So, uh, before I – I didn't want to really do anything that wasn't football-related considering – the Super Bowl's tomorrow. I'm not sure if you guys knew that, but yeah. uh, what? Uh, <laughs> before I get into some uh, final Eagles things, I just I love kicking the Cowboys when they're down. And uh, just about a week or so ago, they did fire their offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore. But don't worry, Dallas fans, you're saved because Mike McCarthy is going to assume play-calling duties. And uh, they just hired Broughton Schottenheimer, uh, most recently a part of Urban Meyer's star-studded staff down retread, there in Retread, retread, retread. Mm-hmm. Ray, yeah. that, if, I, if I were a, Ca- a Cowboys fan, which I'm not, yes. this would not inspire me in any way whatsoever. No, and it shouldn't. 
<laughs> it, it really shouldn't. I mean, this, if you're an Eagles fan, knowing the way most Eagles fans feel about the Cowboys, you have to love the situation in Dallas now. I mean, Kellen Moore moves on, and Mike McCarthy says, you know what, I think I'm going to call the plays now. <laughs> uh, okay, what else and, we But got? we know Jerry, the, the, the ultimate play caller in Dallas is and always will be Jerry Jones. Yeah, what else? All right, uh, so a familiar face, Frank Reich, took over the Carolina Panthers job, but uh, he brought along a few more familiar names with him. He brought in Deuce Staley. I, his role, I think, right now is unclear, but he'll be a part of the offensive coaching staff down there. And uh, his latest hire, being Josh McCown, is going to come in as oh, yeah. a quarterback coach in Carolina there for Mr. Frank Mike, Reich. I'll root for those guys. You know, Josh McCown has been this coach in the waiting for four years now or so, and uh, a lot of hype, a lot of hype around Josh McCown as a, as a coach. Um, so I'm curious to see how he fares. There. I really hope Deuce makes it. I, I really, I don't know what his job is going to be done. You're right; they haven't yet defined what it's going to be. Uh, I think he was very popular in Detroit and got good reviews. Oh, he was. He was. Yeah, I would love to see, love to see Deuce end up as a head coach somewhere. That'd be that'd be great. I think it's going to happen. Yeah, I, I really do believe it's going to happen for him. All right, one more. Uh, all right, one more. So this one pretty much directly affects the Philadelphia Eagles, although this might be something that we have to worry about in a few weeks. But uh, the Colts and the Cardinals seem to have pushed back their coaching search. They're strategically waiting until after the Super Bowl to complete their coaching search, which smells to me like we could be losing either or both of Jonathan Gannon and Shane Steichen. What do you guys think? I think it's a legitimate concern. I think that's the way the world works. If you're a coordinator for a team that is in or wins the Super Bowl, you have a really good chance to become a head coach. These guys are young. They're smart. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.